0: Yeah.
1: welcome back to exploited cinema and this is episode 74 and i picked a film that i thought j dog would have picked like this this has got some j dog energy mm-hmm. and and i invited aaron on cuz he hasn't been on the show in of uh, i don't yeah. know probably 8 years maybe maybe less
2: since but- he was known as the fucking red
3: rocket now he's known as gayron gayron <laughs> Oh, okay. Wasn't that that big uh, stock market scandal back in the 90s? Oh, yeah.
1: Enron. Uh, a couple of those guys hung themselves over that old deal.
3: As, as you do. Yeah. a fucking metal. As I'm nearing myself. No, it's good to be back, man. I think I was on uh, after the Red Rocket days, but maybe just a couple times total. But it was like eight to ten years. years—is a long time ago. We were arguing before the show. I was like, yeah, man, it's been like ten years. Like, No, no, it's been eight. I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter. Fucking all right. Eight, nine, eleven, whatever. Long ass time. I feel bad that I had,
1: you hadn't been on, back on the show in a while,
3: though. And Well, you guys were gone for a while, so, too, mm-hmm. there's that.
1: We were gone for a while, and then you guys shifted gears for a while and became like an interview show. Kind <laughs> um, of. I mean, you tried
3: that, and and let me tell you though, that was a lot of fun, and it was actually really successful. But it was way too much work. Yeah, uh, it was it was, cool. just, it was too much work. I mean, people. It's different than just doing a podcast because when you're interviewing somebody. They're bringing in people that don't know you. Right. You're using their clout and and that's good. So you get a lot of hits and you get a lot of new traffic and hopefully people that stick around. Um, But it was just so much work, man, dealing with the people and having to actually it made you feel like it made me feel like I was actually a producer trying to keep these interviews scheduled and talking with people. And then it became like work because you know, their handlers will, will send you stuff you can't talk about and what you need to bring. And it's just, it kind of became a hassle and yeah. it wasn't so fun.
2: At some point it just becomes like work. Cause you're always talking about like whatever their new thing is to promote instead of what, like kind of what you want to talk about
3: depending so on the person and how like quote unquote big they are. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, when you, when you stick it, when you keep uh, smaller or more niche, yeah, I mean, you could talk three hours about God knows what. But um, some of the people I was talking to, it was really exciting. But I don't know. I just, it didn't feel right to me.
2: It got to the point where he had to turn down interviews. He turned down Dolph
3: Lundgren. What a fucking beta. Really? Dude, I almost, almost got an interview with Michael Keaton, too. That was pretty fun. Oh, that would have been fucking awesome. But it was just... uh I don't know. Uh, at first it was cool and exciting. And after a while, it's like, I just don't give a fuck about these people anymore. It was just people. And um, I have more fun talking with people like you and Zach where we're, we can shoot the shit and just relax. than trying to compose myself and talk to somebody that's going to forget about me in a month or, and, and then 30 minutes later. And it's just exactly. so robotic. It's just not the same.
2: See, I thought like if we ever bring back interviews, we should do them like the Eric Andre show, where it's just like a fucking like, what the fuck is going on? Like just super awkward and shit. That'd be great. Yeah.
3: Well, my, my dream is, I think it'd be cool to have guests, but it has to be, I want it to be on our terms now. I want our podcast to be big enough to where people will come on and just be on our show and shit to shit with us, watch a movie with us. Obviously, I think that uh, thins out the possibilities, but that's that's the only way I would consider doing it, really. so.
1: I heard a podcast, I can't remember who the guy, I don't follow a lot of podcasts, but it was on YouTube uh, where Tarantino came onto one of these guys' podcasts, I think. They're like bigger, it's a bigger show or whatever. And that, the whole podcast like they ask him questions but it was like uh, him hanging out shooting the shit and it was like probably one of the most you know, I wouldn't even call it an interview I, I call it like a hangout sesh like you know, mm-hmm. having some drinks and oh well he's here so I'll ask him about four rooms or something like that and then we'll go off on a tangent but nothing is. So Mr. Tarantino, you know shit like
3: that my favorite my favorite thing was always talking to um like underground b league c league musicians or something like that because those guys will just shoot the shit and they're just they're when you're talking to someone on a camera even that you might be making more annually than they're real people (laughs) they're down to earth but when you're um like i had a buddy that ran a, a blog or whatever and he got a interview with someone like james franco man you got 15 minutes don't go over ask him about this new project and just it's just so fucking lame uh Mm -hmm. you know it's yeah it's just for hits
1: i was impressed with what you guys did but see you know like we did some interviews uh but um you know they were like just shoot the shit smaller ones and then uh the j-dog had talked to Sybil danning and they were like yeah, she's really interested in doing the interview and I'm like, "Okay, cuz I thought, well, you're like no no offense to her, but yeah, you're kind of a B-league star and stuff, but you've worked on enough pictures and enough, you know, shit from the 80s that I mean, we could spend days talking and then uh he said, "Well, we got to get in touch with the agent." And I said, "Fuck now." I, I was like because I want to be able to ask her about like what did you think about them? You, you know, and the howling to you ripping your top open over, you know, your top popping open over and over and over. over. Like, did you feel that was explained? Like, I want to ask those questions like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and, and an agent's going to be like, no, Mm -hmm. no, you can't talk, ask that question. We don't want to be restricted.
3: I feel like I feel like I've come back full circle because when BTM first started, um, you know, Riverman and Lush, they were pulling in people like Leanne Curtis and uh, and, and it just kind of sh- these real like C-League kind of that were part of cult movies. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah. And then I got to a point where I was trying to go for as big a name as I could, because it was it was kind of a thrill. I mean, it was probably ego. And it was also I was getting hits. It was pretty cool. And it to give it credit, though, I think it did help us go to the next level. So it served a purpose. but He
2: turned down Dave Coulier. I did.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the weirdest right. fucking thing. I was at the point where I was even going to get an interview with Dave Coulier. And I turned him down. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. What am I doing anymore? Why <laughs> am he, I getting
1: Was he hard up? Like Was he like, please no, do this? This was, uh...
3: <laughs> this was pre-full house return. So he was oh, like. Oh, okay. But it was funny. I just said, whatever. I was just like uh, shotgunning all these people. <laughs> Dave Coulier was gonna do it and I'm like I looked I had a hard look at myself in the mirror like Aaron you've lost yourself like why why Dave Coulier I could justify it
2: Dave Coulier is fucking top of his fucking class like he was on top of the world at the time
1: he is technically a stand-up comedian like I I would because a lot of these guys have like sleazy fucking you know stand-up comedy fucking tours and shit they did in like when nobody knew who they were and Yeah, I I may want to talk to him about like that if you could find something trashy to bring up. And that's the type
2: of thing David Coulier is going to be like, let's move on from this. I don't (laughs) want to talk about this. And
1: and that's the only reason anybody wants to they want to hear the dark shit. What what kind of dark shit?
3: Yeah. uh, And and, and if somebody's going to have like this dark, real gritty interview, it's not going to be with me. It's going to be with Charlie Rose. I'm like, why am I going to waste this on you? Uh, But so but it also became about just I don't know, self pleasure because I wanted to talk to some of my heroes. So, like in the music world, I'm a big rock guy, metal guy. So, it's like I was talking to, you know, guys from Sepultura and Dream Theater, Megadeth. That was the thrill for me, or like in the action world, Scott Atkins and guys like that.
1: Who did you interview for Megadeth?
3: Uh, Junior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, you know, an old school thrash guy. It's like if I got an interview with someone in Testament, I had a fucking blast. That's all I cared about was just me having fun.
1: But not Dave Mustaine about his finding Jesus and fucking listening to Alex Jones and stuff. I'd love to hear that interview. No, that would be nuts, <laughs> man. Uh,
3: no, I, I tell you what, though, there was a couple of uh, prospects that would have been intimidating to me had they gone through. Like, I think I'd be really nervous to have a sit with someone like Danzig, who's notoriously um, difficult and intimidating <laughs> uh but anyway it was a lot of fun well, you
2: fucking you interviewed junior he was like a big badass on the set of fucking problem child and shit
3: yeah that Junior. You know. okay <laughs> oh, yeah. but i remember i i think the most uh nervous i ever got though was like uh talking to scott atkins man that i was i was nervous because i'm a big i was a big scott atkins fan back in the day which is funny because i i haven't watched any of his movies in a couple of years but um but yeah man i just i I liked doing that, but now I feel it's come full circle where if we, I would rather, you could give me an interview with fucking uh, John Carpenter or fucking, I don't know, think of someone ridiculous, Brad Pitt. I'd rather talk to Ken Sagos doing a Nightmare 4 commentary with me and Zach than doing a 15 minute interview with someone like fucking Tom Cruise. That's what I would rather do because I'd rather talk to someone like Ken Sagos who has nothing to lose. He doesn't really have a career to sacrifice and he'll just tell us cool shit about the movie we're watching. You know, that's, that's... I'd be
1: down if, if like, if it was like Tom Cruise and it was something like eyes wide shut or some controversial oh, yeah. film. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time since I've been on the show. There's that wrap around.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, we I kind of let in there about like uh, the the movie and everything being like uh, J Dog, you know, uh, I would think would have been a J Dog pick, but I don't know if we said it. It's uh nineteen eighty seven, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Running Man, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Maria Conchita Alonso. Yes. What did I see her in? She's been in a bunch of other stuff in the
3: eighties. I can't remember. Oh yeah, it's on the tip. I was actually thinking about it before you brought it up, and I'm like, I I wanted to get my shit together.
1: Also in the film is uh, Richard Dawson, Yafet Kodo, and Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh hell yes! Isn't it isn't it interesting that like this movie has like two fucking guys that are like one's like a wrestler slash. TV person or at least, you know, star personality, Jesse, Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. And then Arnold Schwarzer, they both went on to become governors.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, she was in the predator too.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that Jesse, was it. J- Jesse's performance in this, not to blow the load too much here, but Jesse's performance in this is just so fucking Over cartoony. Uh, yeah. As opposed to his performance in, in predator where it's like. I ain't got time to. Yeah. I mean,
3: that's his autobiography. Well, they literally were like, "Hey, you know that thing you used to do at pro wrestling? Do it here." They're kind of like, like, like a call yeah,
2: out. they're kind of laying on that because it takes place and it's kind of a satirical kind of like. But
1: nobody else is really that over the top. It's just him, and, <laughs> I, and it's like I'm watching him. Like he, you're better than that, bro. Well, like, the people he's
3: he's fighting are kind of like wrestler yeah. types. Yeah, Dynamo, Sub Zero, like clap if you love Dynamo.
1: They're all kind oh, of like. That's my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: I think they're all, but you're right though. Like, I think you're talking about how Jesse, the body or captain freedom rather. He's even like that when they're not even on script and he's like (laughs) not being televised Mm because you know, you'll see like instances where he's being kind of over the top. I don't know. I, I think it's one of the highlights. Mm hmm. Jim Brown, I don't remember him being hokey. I honestly don't remember too many Jim Brown lines. So I don't know if he talks much.
1: Yeah, he did talk that much in this film, and okay. he—I he, love his, you know, persona and just like aura and attitude. It's like he, he is like a, a bad motherfucker.
2: You know what? It, it comes full circle too, because uh, we we're bringing it up. We were going to talk about some of our favorite dystopian movies.
1: Yeah, good segue,
2: and it, it, it kind of fits with the day because the sky's turning red in fucking America right now. That's weird. It's like a
3: Doom video game. Those pictures, man, that people are posting from California, yeah, they look unreal. It's like, are you sure this isn't a filter? Um, I wouldn't want to have it like a harvest, uh, type, thing? harvest
1: it is, moon type thing. It is.
3: super on? red. It looks it's like a,
2: it's because those fires or whatever. I guess. Oh, okay.
3: It, yeah, it looks like an. It looks like they're looking through an infrared camera. It looks unreal. Like I, I'm, I'm actually. I almost in disbelief that a fire is really causing that, but it's just, it's legit.
2: People have been posting pictures of like a uh, fucking uh, Blade Runner 2040 or whatever. And then like the real picture side by side and they look pretty much identical.
3: It looks more like a Mars setting than Total Recall did mm-hmm. on. He's supposed to be on Mars. It looks nuts, but yeah, all because uh, gender reveal parties, they got to be over the top, man.
1: Oh, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to reference too much from the movie. I want to kind of save it for the review. Yeah. But yeah, I have a bunch of stuff on you know, kind of like comparisons and stuff, and like this this particular film and and it being very close to things that got right. This yeah. kind of time period, and yeah, but it's a good segue. You brought us into like some of our favorite dystopic films. Uh, ones, ones that I yeah, Blade Runner, and that's like a you know cyberpunk film too as well uh you brought up uh another one that i that i think we're moving we're always moving towards is uh the 1984 uh classic book george orwell but i personally like the uh the 1984 version
2: yeah there's a couple movies of that one there was like a black and white one that i never seen and then that mm-hmm. 90s one i think it was made in or no it was made nope. in 84 oh, it was 80.
1: It was made in 84 they were actually filming it as the dates in the yeah. journal we're being written down and 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 that film's real interesting it, it definitely is like uh mirroring uh this reality with like the flat telescreens on the wall
0: um mm-hmm.
1: and stuff like that we see that in in uh running man too as well like uh people are so broke they got to go out and watch the big telescreen on the street you know of the running man game show
2: so mm-hmm. did, did you ever see the the sequel to blade runner bat Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I I got a chance. I didn't see it like at the theater, but um, yeah, I saw it. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I I didn't think that it was gonna be well. I you know I don't like, I don't hold like Blade Runner up as like one of my yeah, top uh, dystopic films. I know everyone puts that one over. Yeah. It's good.
3: Mm-hmm. I just twenty forty nine was better. I like. Yeah, it, better. it
1: was better. It it moved better. It was paced better. Uh, Blade Runner and with the multiple cuts, you know, over the years too, it's like. Yeah, that final director's cut did seem to be paced better. But like that film seemed to just have like problems. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not the it's not a perfect film. It's an interesting story. Everything
3: all the aspects are great, but
2: it is kind of the pacing is the main problem with it too, in every cut. To me. Yeah. With, uh,
3: with twenty forty nine though, jump into that, I think um the fact that they made what I think is one of the most visually stunning movies, uh, and it's a big budget Hollywood movie in, in the year that they did, is an achievement itself. Because when we have a movie that costs $200 million now, it's usually by Disney, and it's all shot on green screen, and it looks fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, technology, it was serving that movie, uh, the the Blade Runner sequel. I'm like, why can't all movies look as good as that fucking movie today? But they don't. Well that the guy. problem
1: the yeah. problem is is that they're not they're not using actual like physical locations to enhance it and that's what the original Blade Runner they were like of uh, that final director's cut they went back and enhanced like I'd heard that they used like a piece like a prop of the Millennium Falcon to build the city in the background and like
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: you look at that original footage and
3: it, and it looked pretty shitty so <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can't I love the 2049 I can never pronounce his name so I'm not going to the director I I'm going to butcher it but he's got Dune coming out um which Dune yeah I'll have I, normally when I when I heard about a Dune remake I was like <laughs> all right but I've watched every one of this guy's movies and they they're he's super consistent so I will give Dune a chance, a hundred percent, because uh, he's he's pretty much. I think is
2: yeah, this is gonna be the definitive Dune movie because like you know people, there are fans of a uh, David Lynch's movie, but like yeah, there was so much studio interference and like all those stories about the Alejandro one that we never mm-hmm. got. Like I think this one will will satisfy pretty much everybody. I think.
3: Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. So and I, I'm kind of a fanboy. Villanueva, I guess is his last name. I, I'm. I'm starting to become a fanboy. I mean, I don't think he has any shit movies. So, mm-hmm. oh, so yeah.
1: what are some what are some other dystopic films you dig on, uh, Zach?
2: Fucking uh, Planet of the Apes is a good one. Uh, a lot of people uh, love the whole series. Like, I gotta say, like, I love the first Planet of the Apes, and the the the, the other one in the series that I always liked uh, is uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, which is. Like, yeah, like, that one's, there's a lot of courtroom drama going on in that movie. But, like, yeah, the message of that one fucking works just as good as the first one, I always thought. And it's like, yeah, I, the rest of the movies in the series I can take, like, the second one is, like, I forget it exists all the time. That's the one where Charlton Heston actually came back. Yeah, like, yeah, like, those two specifically. I was really like Idiocracy, kind of a stupid little one. Uh, yeah, and, uh, would you consider, like, the Truman Show one of these? Like, I, I've seen some people say, like, they would consider the Truman Show. I never really thought of it like that, but, like, yeah, if you would, I would I would put that in there. And, uh, like, A Clockwork
3: Orange, of course. Great movies. Would you consider, uh, uh fuck, Total Recall, Dystopian? Mm-hmm. Because I think... Oh, yeah. I think Total Recall is my favorite movie. It's one of my favorite movies, period. It's the probably the second Arnold spot in his uh, filmography for me. So that's probably my favorite. Um, I'd say a close second, though, um, just because, I don't know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be in this movie. I wanted to be the character. Um, and I just think it oozes cool, everything about it. But Escape from New York, man. Hell yeah! I love everything about Escape from New York. I think it's awesome. I love you, the soundtrack. I love the way it looks. Um, characters you, are amazing.
2: Yeah, you know what I was thinking too. Whenever I was, I was kind of like, whenever it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna do a list of our favorite dystopia movies. Like uh, sometimes I look at other people's lists of like, oh yeah, what are some that I've seen? And then like I saw the Truman Show and I started thinking like, you know, it would be like really interesting if like the ending of that movie had a twist where he gets out. And like fucking, it is like a weird future, like where everything sucks. And then they could make a sequel where it touches on the whole like, uh, like what's that called? The uh, fucking, uh, uh, like when the the person that is, is like kidnapped starts to fall for
3: their their capture. Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome.
2: Yeah, it could be like a, like what's better, like a, a comfortable lie or like a sad, like depressing truth. Like that would have been an interesting sequel for that. Yeah. You still there, Bat? Did we lose you? Sounds like we did. There he is. Yeah, I you was
1: gonna, I was about to message you. So this fucker decided it needed to optimize an app. and uh, it was restarted.
2: Update. Yeah. Where
1: did you? I asked you about uh, your your picks on dystopian films. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear anything. You rambled on for a minute.
3: Yeah, yeah. Zach Zach gave his list, and then I I shared my affinity for Escape from New York. And
1: okay,
2: do you have anything to say about Planet of the Apes series or uh?
1: the show the tv show uh the, the movie series oh okay yeah sure because we covered it
2: the other one of the series that i always really liked was escape from planet of the apes that's it kind of okay. has that courtroom drama thing going on and i really like i think those both those in the series have really good messages and then like the the like the rest of the series i kind of forget especially like the second one where charlton heston came back you remember that one at all
1: yeah that's my favorite that's my favorite of like the sequels is oh, okay. uh where were the, is, you're talking about the one where they're worshiping the bomb
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. that one's badass dude where they're like fucking some kind of mutants or whatever so. for some reason
2: that one never connected me like i need to watch them all again i got this like the whole set recently too yeah
1: um i guess another pick would be for me would be uh uh fahrenheit 451 um uh, again seen that. Yeah. the film I they did a remake and I haven't seen the remake, but I'm talking about the I think it's from sixty eight, maybe sixty seven. Uh maybe Gordeaux did that one or yeah, the uh, remake
2: is HBO French. Yeah.
1: Oh the remake. Well I'm talking about that. Well, I don't know how many cut how many versions, but it's the six, 1960s version and I thought it was interesting because uh, you know, they had flat screens. Mm-hmm. And that one too as well, like telescreens screens and like, I don't know, it, it was very much like, um, shit. Another one is really good is, um, uh, brave new world. I don't know if you guys have seen a red, even red brave new world. Um,
2: do they ever make a movie of that one?
1: Yeah, they did this TV movie with the kid from the Bates Motel TV movie,
0: oh.
2: and
1: uh, it's fucking good, man. It's actually on YouTube. Uh, I've seen it probably ten times. It's it's a TV movie, but it's pretty. It's got it's got all the books elements and stuff in there, and it's kind of sleazy, like how they don't really. There's no like husband wife thing, and like all the babies are just man, you know, like grown in a lab basically, and like. Mm-hmm. everyone's like has like is, it's, it's like a thing to sleep around and like they tell them like if you're not sleeping with like five different men like there's something wrong like
2: so they got that right
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's real sleazy like it's not <laughs> nobody's tied down with anything and uh that's kind of how um have you seen uh uh logan's run that's kind of how that is too
2: i haven't seen that one though
3: yeah i never saw it
1: logan's run is pretty good uh what's his name um
3: york michael york michael york yeah
1: michael man. york uh yeah i recommend that i can't believe they haven't uh, remade that and it's got the dude who was the lion and wizard of oz is in it too as well at the end well i have been old as fuck uh, he was he was he was he was pretty he was supposed to be kind of like old father time because like everyone that lives in the little bubble civilization uh they it's like i think 30 or whatever and they do like uh euthanasia type thing or whatever and they get, like, uh, they get out, and that one's also got Farrah They get out, and they, like, find the dude or whatever that actor's name is, and he's, like, old. And they're, like, well, because they never seen an old man before, and he's got all these cats around. And he lives in, like, Washington, D.C., like, one of the, you know, capital or something like that. And i was just thinking, like, there's, like, a hundred cats running around. I was like, that house play. probably smells like cats all over the place.
2: Oh yeah, there's that one, uh, the Wes Anderson movie Isle of Dogs. I watched that like uh, a while back when it came out. I remember liking that. It was like a stop motion, like uh, where, uh, like it's a weird thing where like this crazy guys running the country like puts all the dogs on an island, like a trash island and
3: stuff. That was good.
1: I haven't seen that. It's a stop motion animation. Hmm. And I have to check that out.
3: Speaking of flicks that I never saw, I've I've never seen the original or the remake of Rollerball. That's a dystopian flick I never saw.
1: I never. Yeah, saw that the, the original's great. Yeah, mm. the original's great. Uh, but the the
2: remake like, had fucking uh, what's his Slipknot. name? Slipknot. No, and the it had, like a, had Slipknot in the. Fl- did. It did.
1: Slipknot was yeah,
2: had Aaron's
3: <laughs> in the arena. Chris the arena Klein, scenes. the greatest actor of my generation. Chris Klein <laughs> was in that movie.
2: His hometown he- boy, Chris
3: Klein. Yeah. Hometown oh really
1: hometown. he's from your hometown huh He
3: went to uh, he was discovered in the movie Election right
1: Yeah that's the one I always remember him from So
3: that it, he actually they filmed Election at Papillion High School in Papillion Nebraska which is a which it's a di- district in Omaha me and Riverman are from Omaha right um, yeah. we went to Millard schools and this was Papillion Anyway I guess they were holding auditions in school and he was plucked out of Papillion High to be in the movie and that was his start and
2: then he just kind of failed upwards.
3: He failed. He really did fail upwards, man. He's a shit worthless actor. And I hope he's not listening, because I'm sure he's a great dude. I don't hate him. I don't hate, I don't I hate do. him. I think he's a terrible actor, dude. But no, I'm not going to shit on his brief success. <laughs> you, you ain't going to
2: fucking uh, harsh his drip? No,
3: I'm not going to harsh his drip. I think, uh, I just remember, I think there was a video for what is What is Slipknot play Heretic Anthem or something? Something from the Iowa album. That was it. That's all I remember. <laughs> that remake. I don't know. Uh, did you go, uh, sorry, no, not go bad. Did you want to uh, comment on the ones I did just so it doesn't look like cold in the edit? Because I, I mentioned, yeah, sure. I mentioned that I think overall pound for pound, my favorite movie was Total Recall. So I don't know if you want to mention Total Recall.
1: Yeah, man. To, Total Recall is, uh, I always liked uh, a lot of the scenes in Total Recall, but like, I, I didn't see that until um way later. I don't know. When did that, did that come out? In 89,
3: mm-hmm. 90? I think it came out in 90. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't. I don't know why I. I missed out on that one when it when it first ran. I. I never saw. I guess I never saw it on like a movie channel either. Until mm-hmm. I rented it years later. Um. You know, like Running Man, I saw before. So, and then he did that Sixth Day too, as well. Arnold did, right?
3: Not as good a flick, but yes, he did.
1: Yeah. I just thought because I saw Sixth Day maybe before a Total Recall. Now, nah, really. But I don't know, but I saw them maybe very close and I just thought they were they were both very
3: uh, similar. They were too samey. So after I've I've grown up with Total Recall, I've been watching it as early as it as I was able to. So probably five, like whenever it went to the movie channels or I don't know. But all I know is I saw six day later on, late in the 90s. And I'm like, man, this is I know it's not the exact same movie, but like this has overall been done before. Why would he be in this movie when he's already been in the sequel? He has a it wild didn't movie.
1: have a three-titted alien, so
3: no, it was uh, it was pretty weak. And that was like, and Robert Duvall's totally wasted in that movie. Um, I don't know; it just it's just not that good. It's not the worst thing Arl's done, but it's it's not good either.
2: They should have got Shelley Duvall.
3: Yeah, Shelley Duvall now should be in a movie. Oh,
1: pre yeah. pre schizophrenia,
3: or both. yeah? Has she been seen since that Doctor Phil episode?
2: I don't mm. know, but that reminds oh. me that that's another good one. Kubrick, he did fucking one of the greatest dystopian movies, Clockwork Orange, baby.
1: Yeah, Clockwork Orange definitely is a dystopic film. And it should I didn't I didn't put it on my like list because some people might be like, Oh, I don't think then because there's like not really tech techno you know, technological or whatever, they're kinda mm-hmm. but it's ran by gangs. It's definitely dystopian, but it's not futuristic,
3: I guess. Yeah. And the other one I mentioned, if you wanted just to comment on it for the edit, was uh my number two. I always loved um Escape from New York as a kid. I thought everything about it just with, oozed cool, everything about it from, you know, obviously Snake Plissken, and just the way it looked, the soundtrack, I think it's I think it's an amazing I still love it. And I, I really want that one sheet too, side note. But um yeah, so that was the only one ever I brought up. hmm
1: Yeah, Escape from New York uh has always been like up there. I get, you know again, another thing about that film is I saw I hate to say this, I saw Escape from L.A. before, and I loved Escape from L.A. for some reason. <laughs> I places. do
3: too! I have fist bumping <laughs> then, right now if I could. Zach doesn't like it. He's like, he doesn't fucks with it. I love it.
1: Well, it's good. Well, here's the thing, too. I saw it when I was a kid, and I thought it was great, and then I wanted to see, you know, Escape from New York, and I saw Escape from New York, and then I was like, oh, I want to see Escape from L.A. and see if it holds up, like, years later, and... Yeah, it's I don't think it's as great as oh, Escape from New York now in
3: retrospect. Definitely. It was never as good as Escape from New York. Yeah. But I take the movie at face value. Um, you know, it's just a parody. Uh and uh dude it doesn't get much better than fucking watching Peter Fonda surf a turnpike like that or whatever.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. The
3: stars uh, isn't so, Pam Grier, yeah, Pam Greer is like the transvestite. Um
2: Oh, that's sexy.
3: Yeah, she's got like the man voice. It's so over the top, man. It's hard to... When when you're that self-aware making your movie, it's hard to shit on it for that. Like being tropey and, and kind of just weird and shticky. I don't know.
2: Pam, we're with a dick. Uh, we might have to stop the show. I might have to go crank one out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: And we're up to speed now. I mean, that's we we covered everything you missed. So
1: just, Okay. Just, yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry you got to edit this. I felt so bad. I'm like, fuck. And they're probably still talking. Hopefully, I can just segue <laughs> back in. Yeah, that's fine, baby.
2: Oh yeah, well, I I mentioned like uh, uh, I looked at like a list, and would you consider the Truman Show dystopic? Uh,
1: I think that's something else, man. Yeah, I, uh, first came out in theaters we- weirdly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that I I really like that movie. I think it's, it still holds up.
1: I guess like if oh, yeah. if everybody was everybody and I guess it's dystopic for Truman because he doesn't know what's going on. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it's it's definitely something. So Ed Harris is in that too, right? Oh yeah, he, he was plays your the... dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking George Hell Romero was... discovered that guy. Pretty did much. he really? Pretty much, and Night Riders was like one of his. And then he was in Creep Show, like he he was. Yeah. A... He's, I think he's from PA uh, I would say that that crew Helped kind of Launch him I mean he's talented So I mean he was able to continue On but
2: He yeah. almost died on the set of the Abyss
1: I didn't know that really Yeah wow.
2: he, he he was really Drowning in a shot that's in the movie And they didn't realize
3: it Or something you That looked great
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
4: <laughs>
3: Yeah well the movie looks fucking awesome
2: James Cameron might have killed him See, what well, if we could go to the alternate reality where James Cameron did kill him? They had to CG his face onto different actors throughout the movie.
1: That reality would have John Landis didn't kill his crew on Twilight Zone. So.
2: Exactly. <laughs> That'd be the, the see the the abyss would take up that episode of cursed films on Shudder.
3: I finally watched that cursed films, by the way. After listening, I think you guys were talking about it on Exploited, and I when they showed that footage of uh, John Landis at the the service for the kid, talking about how. His work is immortal. I cringed. I,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
3: cr- like, why is this fucking guy even allowed to speak at the f- at the funeral? I don't know.
1: But he was let to go make spies like us.
3: So. I I get it. For uh, PR and public uh, appearances sake at that time, I think it's appropriate he went because it would look shitty if he didn't go. But don't yeah. fucking talk at the fucking funeral, man. Just sit down. <laughs> hey. Jeez. He he basically said in a really like directory way. Well, at least we got a good shot. Yeah, that's that's what it was.
2: <laughs> See, if that happened today, his career would ended like because of that.
1: I don't know how his career didn't end back then. So, yeah. but you know, you, those are the old days of fucking Victor Salvas, where you can molest a kid and mm-hmm. come back and make powder for Disney.
3: <laughs> Buena Vista, yeah. While was, you're uh,
1: on the set of the fucking movie, like.
3: Exactly. Yeah, was that Touchstone or Buena Vista? Either way, owned by Disney. But yeah, no, I I don't know if you've heard this. I've mentioned this on our show before, but um, I've spoken with John Landis before. (laughs) So I used to work at American Express way back in the day. And uh, he called up because I was handling business cards, business accounts. I was a business guy. And I got a call from John Landis and that motherfucker ripped me a new one. He was the biggest fucking asshole. Like I wanted to fucking kill the guy. He was a total dickhead horrible fucking guy
1: what was the problem it was the dumbest thing
3: we had opened him up a new business account because he had a like a a production company he still does like okay and it was the stupidest most trivial thing uh whoever um actually was initiating that account he um they made a typo in his name so i don't remember what it was called but like if it was landis productions let's say they did land like you know just a typo whatever yeah and this guy, there was no hello, there was no hey. I got an issue. Can we help? This guy fucking came in swinging. He told he he cursed me. He cursed my mother. He fucking wanted to eat my firstborn children. It was like the end of the fucking world. He was. I've never dealt with somebody so unruly and so you difficult. Should ask him
2: if he killed any kids
3: recently, dude? I, I dude, <laughs> after the fact, no. I regret. I have regrets, man. Like in, you know, when you're in work mode and you're in the moment, it's just like, oh yeah, that would have cost me my job, Zach. Too, but. <laughs> But it, it almost would have been worth it. And then out, on my way out with my pink sleep, I would be like, hey, man, I know you guys record all calls. Can I please have that recording? Who do I got to pay? Really? Like,
1: like, that's that's that, that's what it would be all about. I'd be like, check this out. John Landis fucking ate me alive. And, awesome.
3: then I, and then I, I fucking love. owned him with a baby killer thing. No but, uh, <laughs> no, but it was like, hands down, the worst experience I'd ever had. and. I had to chill this dude out and um at first I was gonna be like hey man I love American War but dude I, I I'd he let me get to that point I'm telling you like as soon as I talked to that guy he was not letting me breathe and you by know, the end of said it you I
1: loved this segment in Twilight Zone yeah <laughs> I,
3: sh- I should have but like I said by by the time I was trying to defuse the situation man I was like I don't want to fucking even tell this guy I don't even like this guy as a person I'm not gonna fucking compliment anything and uh It wasn't a big deal. I'm like, bro, I fucking, I'm hooking you up. I'm going to overnight you like fucking 36 cards with the correct spelling. You should be like, hey, this is a
2: stupid fucking mistake to make, John Landis. I didn't know the stupids was like an autobiographical
3: type of movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so it was, uh, it was the weirdest crybaby spill milk fit I've ever heard from somebody. You know what I mean? It was so weird. Here's what
1: Aaron didn't know is that he his favorite hooker wasn't able to come over and blow him that afternoon. Yeah, he was like, I, I already mean, pissed off about. He's already pissed off, and then when he saw that fucking mistake, that was it.
3: it no, exactly. It was a straw that broke it type of situation because it wasn't a big deal. Like we, I mean, he's a high dollar client. We we literally overnighted him all these cards, which, by the way, his account was fine. It had no. Yeah affecting on his actual account it was just physical plastic with a weird name on it it was like what the fuck bro it probably literally ruined like a day's worth of like a transaction
2: he tried to make like oh they fucked up oh i can't do this and then he had to wait like 24 hours
3: not even not even spilled milk anyway that's my that is my experience with john landis and if i ever got to meet him in person i'd be like hey man you know what i used to be a blue collar motherfucker too and you (laughs) fucking ruined my night (laughs) and he probably he left me a terrible survey that motherfucker did he, really? oh, he fucking did. He left me a fucking job. I want. I should ask for a printout. Can I please have the printout of John Landis' survey <laughs>
1: <laughs> with his signature
3: on it? Imagine that with like.
2: So imagine if they gave you that tape, and one day you did score an
3: interview, and you just played it for him live. on Oh, the air. that, was, that was me. Awesome. Like it'd be like in uh, <laughs> it'd be like in that moment in Batman Returns where uh, the Penguins get in docks by Batman, and he plays that recording. He's like, I didn't say that. I just start playing these fucking clips oh yeah yeah i don't know that to, i'll end it but the, the that job was kind of cool for that reason because we'd get a lot especially the department i worked in because i was dealing with high business and you know the people with like um the black cards right like you got millions of dollars billion so i would i would talk to people like dude i talked to fucking donald sterling when he was going through all that racist shit remember him the clippers owner oh yeah you know the guys worth like five billion dollars and he was he making his own his
2: black card
5: Yeah, exactly. But I don't even
2: remember. I don't remember exactly what he was in trouble for. I just hope that joke makes sense.
3: I want to say the morning after I dealt with John Landis, uh, the person I worked directly with in my little office or whatever, he uh, got a call from Chino Marino. I'm like, man, why can't I get fucking Chino from the Devtones, man? Why I got to get fucking baby killer, and fucking wet dick, you know, sorry, sad. It's I don't know. Why can't I I get the stupids? Why do I have to get the stupids? Yeah, why can't I get the stupids? Tom Arnold would have been all right. Anyway. Mm -hmm. That's it. That was a sidetrack, man. But I thought it was relevant.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. We'll we'll keep we'll keep it in.
3: <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: This is uh this is you know we're we're kind of you know um it's kind of like a J you know like kind of like a throwback J Dog style era uh, show. So whatever, whatever. And intro is always whatever the fuck you want. So.
3: And any chance somebody can trash John Landis, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And and it's relevant to a past show we did. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Connecting the dots. Well, we should probably uh, cut to a break so we can we can talk fucking nineteen eighty seven's Running Man. Fuck yeah. So Zach, take take us into the break. Take us into some wonderful sl- trailers.
2: Exactly. You are listening to the Exploited Cinema, and we are fucking gonna be back. We are gonna talk about the Running Man, baby. Get your dick wet.
5: In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time? Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark! I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Guess they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. Can you a lift <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is. The running man. He's playing for a prize. The prize is his life. How about the life? The running man. These fucking freaks Producting You are your system Busted machine
1: welcome back to exploited cinema and we're going to shift gears and start uh talking about 1987's uh the running man starring arnold schwarzenegger
3: what we're not talking about the mid 80s dance that swept the nation i thought that's what we were talking about is the it running was there a man. running man dance yeah man in 1986 or 87 the running man the da- okay so that joke fell flat Never we'll mind. go well.
1: we'll go ahead tell us about the running man
3: well that's about the extent of it i know when it was huge and I think it was popular like in like black urban areas. And it's just a fucking dance. I don't know. Google it.
2: Was it basically like <laughs> fucking jogging in place?
3: It, it, it's got that element to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it really swept. It's, it wasn't the Macarena, but anyway, Arnold Schwarzenegger's better.
2: See, they need to make a dystopian movie uh, this year uh, about the floss. Oh, yeah. So that's a new dance. And like uh, fucking the fucking, the floss is another TV show where. They got a fucking, I don't know, floss their teeth or something. And like, I don't know. We'll, we'll think about it later.
3: Well, it is a segue into the movie, though. Uh, they I'm reading some uh, some trivia. It says here, the big dance number at the start of The Running Man was choreographed by Paul Abdul. See, I made it fit, dancing.
1: Yeah. Fucking Paul Abdul. Yeah, that was interesting. And uh, did she write, she wrote the, the music or something like that, too? Or somebody somebody else wrote the music, maybe. I don't I'm know. I'm sure you have it in front of you. <laughs> Possible. Yeah. Open up Wikipedia.
2: They always, yeah, they always wanted to get like a big name to do the soundtrack back in the 80s. Yeah. Possible.
1: E- Tina Turner, uh, fucking Thunderdome, and then she was in it too as well. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But this uh, film is uh, actually based on the uh, Richard Bachman book, a.k.a. Stephen King. Uh, mm-hmm. See, Richard Bachman, Stephen King. Stephen King wanted to write some science fiction stuff and not be kind of like, uh, typecasted as a horror writer and he wanted to branch off into uh, other avenues and, or just publish some works that didn't really fall into the, I mean, this is horrific, so this is kind of a horror, horror story, nightmarish anyway, but, um, the original book, uh, most resembles the fugitive, um, Mm-hmm. Now, Harrison Ford film, if you've seen it, that's, the, of course, based off the TV show. Uh, and, and essentially, uh, the stalkers are like hunters, and the running men are able to like travel globally. And um, they're given like $4,000 for spending. Mm-hmm. And yeah, basically, the hunters travel around the globe uh, trying to kill these people. Um, and basically if they win, they get like freedom and like, $1 billion or something like that, but nobody ever wins. Mm -hmm. And the original uh, book is set in the year 2025. So it's not far off from like where we're at. And essentially, uh, in the story, the world's economy is like in shambles and like, um, America has become a dystopic society. And, uh, um, Stephen King also wrote another Bachman book uh, along these lines. i read I read these books when I was in high school, and uh, the Long Walk deals with like uh, the same kind of mm-hmm. dystopic society um along these lines, and it's it's another game show where these uh kids uh basically are they do a drawing, and it's kind of like a track thing, except if you slow down to a certain speed. Uh they'll shoot you. And oh. essentially the winner gets all this money. It's the same plot as the original Running Man, too. This uh what's the guy's name? The uh the character, uh yeah. Arnold's character, Ben Richards. It originally in the book, he mm-hmm. um is like uh his family's poor, and I think there's like doctor bills or whatever that need to be paid. And the longer you like survive the running man, like uh, I guess every day they pay you like a hundred dollars. So he was trying to rack up so much money. Same thing with the long walk. The kid, basically, they get picked for the this track meet thing, and the winner gets this huge cat. Like basically, they get a cash prize because everyone's poor. Uh, so yeah, these are both Bachman books. I read them originally in the omnibus that was published, I think, in 1984, along with uh, Bachman's Rage, which was uh, pretty controversial for.
2: yeah that's the only bachman book i've ever read i think was that rage Uh, yeah i'm surprised they never made that into a movie but then like yeah i can see why
1: i'll tell you why they didn't make that into a movie because uh, i think they found that book in the columbine shooters bedrooms or whatever and uh oh yeah stephen king regretted ever writing it he thought that he inspired them to shoot their school up or whatever and uh that he doesn't want to have that published again. And so yeah. like, even like the paperback Omnibus is like, cause I tried to get it. Cause I, I lost in that like little fire. I lost all my Stephen King paperbacks. And now that paperback, uh, goes for like, I don't know, 50 to a hundred dollars. I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah. But it had all these stories running man was in there. Long walk, uh, road work where they're like trying to build an interstate through this guy's house. And he loses it. And like, uh, starts killing all the construction work, road workers and shit like that. like, the the theme is like impoverished society's falling apart, uh, governments taking over. Pe- people are like fucking turning against the government. I mean, he's right on right on track with where we are right now. <laughs>
2: it, that fucking the long walk that could have been the plot for Speed Three. Fucking one is on a bus, two is on a, a cruise ship, three is a track and field. Like you yeah, they
1: probably got the idea. I'm surprised the Long Walk hasn't been made into a a movie yet. Because, like, man, and that's um, that's actually one of his first books. He started writing that in 1966, but I, I guess he didn't finish it until like the early 70s, maybe. So it's something he started when he was pretty young. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, again, the, like these stories all share the same very uh, similar theme. But I'll tell you that that Running Man is not the same as this movie and i think the movie's better just my opinion but
2: oh yeah yeah we can uh give a little plot synopsis of the movie just in case people are like we're running mad never fucking seen it never heard of it
1: yeah go ahead zach you're always great at uh giving us the quick synopsis
2: yeah it's pretty much just you know simple idea of you know in the future you know uh the government's like controlling everything everything's censored like tv movies and all this stuff and then they take like uh, people who committed crimes, and basically they don't have any rights. And they they, they you can force them to like compete in this uh, TV show called The Running Man, where they gotta escape from uh, a bunch of uh sadistic uh, wrestling type of uh, you know
5: maniac,
2: larger than life characters. Yeah, yeah. and uh, if they win, they get their freedom back.
1: Well, there's and, a lot uh, of propaganda going on with this game show, like a lot of misleading with the footage and mm-hmm. like uh, change. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, basically, the main character, Schwarzenegger, uh, he, was he in, like, the military or something?
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, and-
2: yeah, he they wanted him to, like, shoot some people, and he's like, no, he refused to do it. You know, they, they lied and said he was responsible for the deaths of all these people. So, like, yeah, he's wrongfully convicted, and like, yeah, there's that scene, uh, whenever they're trying Were they to do,
1: re-edit the footage.
2: Yeah. I, I thought like they kind of missed an opportunity to do like, kind of make fun of like, uh, like, you know, like, uh, America's most wanted, like, Oh, they have a different actor playing it and like, Oh, this is a recreation and just have them being over the top, like shooting the people like, ha ha, I hate humans and shit like that. That'd have been funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like a sadistic, or sadistic sicko. <laughs> like, like he, he, like, takes a bite out of a baby and throws it out of the fucking <laughs> helicopter. Right.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so him and, like, some buddies, like, they escape from prison at the beginning, and they're, like, put in there, too, by the uh, guy running the TV show, and then the woman that uh, he tried to, like, uh, kidnap. To get out of the well,
1: hold on. They got those uh, little necklace things. Have you guys seen the Rugger Hauer film? that's called uh, Wedlock or mm-hmm. uh, Deadlock. Where they, no. it's it's like the same thing. Yeah, fucking. That's got Danny Trejo, and it. it's from the nineties, man. Like uh, they're put in like a prison thing. It's kind of like that. That one fucking dystopic film. Um,
5: Cube. I don't know. Uh, I
1: don't one... know. I'm getting I'm getting off fucking topic here. But anyway,
2: yeah, they do that, do that. Yeah, there's a couple movies like that. I, I'm actually surprised. Like, I could totally see people arguing. Like, yeah, we should do that. Like, you know, right. like uh, just in case somebody gets out. Like, maybe one of these rapists they they you know escape prison, and we, we then we don't have to worry about. it. Then their head will explode once they get so far. Yeah. And like, and then like we can see all the like times. Like, oh, somebody was sleeping in their bunk and they just malfunctioned and blew their head off.
1: And, <laughs> unless they deactivate it, like in this movie, or eventually in that movie, they were able to get them off. So. Mm -hmm. There's
2: that. Yeah, like one of the guys and their one of his buddies is like a hacker who can hack in and like you know unarm all these like security devices and shit.
1: Yeah, he's the nerdy looking guy. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) And it all comes to like you know uh, the climax where uh, he's uh, fucking fighting against uh, the guy that runs the show, trying to like get to like the area where he can uh, get the proof that you know the unedited footage.
1: Killian.
2: You know, fun fact. Yeah,
1: Killian. Yeah, he he sends Killian down into the fucking thing or whatever, and it like jumps. and uh-uh. It's pretty much implied that he's not didn't survive the launch of the pod thing or yeah. whatever. It was a it was a death shot.
3: I'm, he and he he has to give some one liner when he's loading him up in there, and I don't remember what it is. He says something for launching him down, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know why I can't remember it, but. Um, yeah I love it the
1: best line is the old lady when she says he's one mean motherfucker uh, yeah cause uh, like they
2: they take bets on like who's gonna win and they're supposed to bet on like the, the wrestling figures that are like oh but then after a while they start realizing oh this guy's fucking killing them all so that she bets on him to win and he's like, "You can't do that. You got to bet on one of these guys." And she's like, "No, I can bet on whoever I want. This guy's a mean motherfucker." And so, yeah, everybody starts changing their bet to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah,
3: it's so funny though. Like the one-liners in that movie, they they are a plenty. And I think this is when Arnold Schwarzenegger, this he, they were very self-aware. <laughs> this is the point where they became very self-aware of the one-liner because mm-hmm. they're so over the top and cheesy to where they're they're not really that good. But yet, I still love them. Uh, like yeah, when he like. Hey, you Christmas tree, which makes me laugh. I think it's Dynamo, mm-hmm. and then of course Sub Zero. That one honestly is so stupid. What he's like? Was
1: that the chill out one?
3: Well, no. He goes at the end when he kills him. He's like Sub Zero. Now plain zero. Oh yeah, well.
1: that
2: was. Shit. <laughs> Every time you hear that, it's like, what does that even mean? But then yeah. you watch the movie and playing in kata, in, in it's like, oh, he's basically saying, oh, he's a zero because he lost, I guess. He's a
3: loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it means. It's just, yeah, on paper, it doesn't, uh, you have to have so little context.
1: <laughs> it's about when Arnold, like, you can see he's, he's got a fairly decent grasp of the English language, finally and but also i feel like that line right there was so shitty because like they had something better but every time that he said it it sounded horrible so they just like last minute were like okay well can you deliver this one
0: yeah i don't yeah yeah
2: like his first movie they had to like redub all his lines and shit
1: the pumping iron or whatever
2: the uh hercules in new york Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I've only ever seen the version that has his actual dialogue that released later.
3: Hey, there was a uh, there's a couple of cameos in there you missed too. Uh, remember the whole like underground resistance group, right? You got Mick Fleetwood and you got Dweezil Zappa, mm-hmm. which is oh, kind of okay, fun.
1: Yeah, that's right.
3: Which is fucking random, by the way. It's like, hey, let's cast Mick Fleetwood and Dweezil Zappa, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just so, yeah. interesting. And uh, so basically,
2: yeah. this movie is set up like a video game, where like, oh, you go through levels, and then you got the big boss at the end that you gotta beat it's fun fun
3: in that way yeah it's really fun Mm -hmm. like that exactly
1: yeah i think i saw this when i was like it's weird i was probably like six and like because there was like no nudity or whatever i just assumed that it was like okay i went over to my uncle's and like one of his girlfriends put it in
2: they didn't show maria conchita's
1: dits yeah, that's, you know, that, that probably would have been a dead giveaway. I probably would have never saw this that early if that was, did happen. But uh, I'm sure it was in the original script, but she was probably like, no. So I
3: always thought um, her face was a little too handsome for me.
1: Wasn't there a showering scene? There was like a showering scene with her. like Maybe. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of missed opportunities of sleaze in this. And, um, you know, you got an R rating. I mean, you should have. Like, mm-hmm. it, like the girls could have been dancing at the beginning with Topless, you know?
3: Yeah. I, I like what you said, Zach, about it kind of playing off like a video game. And that is what I think is so fun about the movie. And that's why I like a, a shitty movie like the Mortal Kombat movie, because this movie is like a climbing the ladder, right? It's the mm-hmm. same thing with Mortal Kombat. They're just, you know, climbing the ladder till they get to that, that, that final boss or whatever. Yeah, I never really thought about it like that. But And it's funny because this movie actually inspired a bunch of shit, including what that smash TV, that arcade game. Remember that? Yeah. Whereas essentially the fucking same premise, right? You're like in this competitive deadly game show, Uh, not to mention American gladiators, which a couple of years later, it basically just ripped off this movie, which is awesome.
2: And there was a a movie tie in game for, uh, for the movie that came out on the Commodore 64.
3: Yeah. And, and
1: Atari ST in 1989, I I didn't even know because it didn't come out for the Nintendo. So, mm-hmm. and
3: I'm sure it did the movie's action justice on those lame old systems.
1: Oh yeah, it probably looked <laughs> so good. Sixty? No, it had 64 bit capabilities. Come on, it looked good. <laughs> it looked awesome.
2: If only LJN would have did the Nintendo version, we could have had another classic.
1: It might have looked like Metal Gear Solid for all you know. Who knows? Oh, yeah. We'll never know. Maybe I'll see if I can download it. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. But uh, it's something I know we're just kind of jumping all over the place of this movie, but I, I get immense pleasure out of hearing Arnold Schwarzenegger just say Killian's name. It's just one of those things where, I don't know, I, Killian! He put such <laughs> emphasis on it. I come for you, Killian! It's just, uh, it's very, uh, it's such an 80s bad guy name, too. Killian.
2: We needed that scene at the end where he fucks Killian into submission.
3: Yeah. was uh, w- Richard Dawkins, I get it. He was an established game show host at the time. So if he was a game show host, he was probably a working actor. Like They usually give those host jobs to actors. Oh, I thought was you meant he-
2: Richard Dawkins, the scientist guy.
3: Dawson, Dawson, Dawson. Did I say Dawkins? <laughs> no, monkey, fu- fuck my monkey ass. <laughs> yeah, Dawson. <laughs> Dawson. <laughs> Pound my monkey ass. Okay. That's so a episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Richard Dawson. So he had to have been an actor, obviously, to get the to get the hosting gig of Family Feud. But was he in anything as an actor prior to Family Feud or this movie? Probably not. No, probably definitely not. I mean, but he was obviously an actor. I mean, he's so natural. He was so. But it, I, I'm sure he he's got playing. He's playing a game show host. Yeah, he's so playing like, like a, a weird a fucked up version of himself. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure game show hosts are acting to an extent anyway yeah, yeah. Well, they're all they're almost always actors that yeah. get those jobs
1: i would think they're trained uh like a a news caster or something like that and the, some of these game show hosts like i um, i think like um pat Sajak used to do like weather or something like that so he was already trained in that gimmick you know what I mean? So It looks like
2: uh, he might have done some like movies or TV series before he was a talk show host.
1: Yeah, it looks like he's on Hogan's Heroes. There you go. That's right. He was on fucking Hogan's Heroes. What am I thinking? He was like a main character on Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. New
2: Episode of The Hour Limits and Alfred Hitchcock Hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did a lot of TV. Uh, yeah, so he came from TV. Here's another show, Rowan, Rowan and Martin's Laughing. That's way before my time. I, I, I have no idea. The new Dick, Dick Van Dyke show. So, yeah, I mean, he's...
3: He hey, put man, the... he was
5: on the Lumpo, Hell
1: yeah. So he, he fucking made the rounds. He was on but the he Lumpo. He
3: put the charismatic chops of the game show host to play in this movie because he's... You know, very charismatic, just like he was in the show, and obviously on Family Feud, he was very famous with kissing, like all the women, like kind of almost to the point of being inappropriate. Um, babies
1: too, right? Yeah, very, very yeah.
3: sleazy slash politician esque I guess. Yeah, there you he, go. Yeah, he see, he didn't seem like not like.
1: I don't know. He didn't seem creepy with it. He just seemed. He definitely seemed politician.
3: He seemed like like he was on. He was definitely taking advantage of his platform a little bit. Like, hey, I'm the host. I'm gonna make out with. I'm gonna make out with your wife, sir. Oh or yeah,
1: but the, the definitely good looking ones. But yeah, he had to kiss the old fucking blue haired broads too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and interesting enough, I'm looking on IMDb, and this is like his at, last acting credit. So he didn't yeah. really. Mm. I don't know how long he was on Family. Didn't Didn't he? Wasn't he on Family Feud till he? Until
3: he died, man. All I know is Ray Combs replaced him, and I know when I was coming up, I think uh, Ray Ray Combs was hosting the show. The guy that hung himself, yeah, uh, in '91. Still, I bet you Richard Dawkins went into like the late '80s to '90 or something like that. I guess I can look it up, but it's kind of blurred. But it's
1: 1995. Nine- it says
3: no way.
1: It looks like he came. It says that he hosted from '94 to '95, so it looks like he must have came back for a year.
3: He must have come back. Yeah. When did Ray for Combs one go, year so?
1: there and then family food he went from 76 to 85. So it, 85. yeah, it looks like, but then this thing is saying like, it says ninety four ninety five host where it says the second time here, but then it says like 1988.
3: So I don't know if he, he popped back up in 88. He must. I'm going to see when Ray Combs hosted it. Um,
2: you know what? I I I didn't even realize this, but fun fact: this movie was directed by uh, fucking Starsky from Starsky and Hutch.
1: Really? That's who that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paul okay.
2: Blaster.
3: Yeah. Hey, that explains it, man. So sorry to interrupt. Ray Ray Combs hosted it from '88 to '94. He killed himself, so I'm guessing Dawson came back to fill. in. <laughs> yeah, he, he had to fill in. Yeah. yeah, I'm guessing he came back to sort of like uh, smooth uh, the transition over. Like, hey, look, this guy—it's really bleak right now. This guy killed himself, but we're going to bring back your favorite original host.
1: I, saw, I was wondering, what, what was the phone call? Look, uh, yeah, yeah, he killed himself. What? Yeah, we're gonna need you to come back for at least a year till we can find another. Host. I mean, it's gonna
3: it's gonna help the ratings. Like we're you know we gotta we gotta brighten up this with uh, bringing back the the original dude. Yeah, it probably was just swept over. Yeah. See, okay. I would
2: have said no if the job was that bad that somebody's killing right so. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's I- why you're. They got out of the game, I guess. I don't know
3: if you guys watch much Family Feud throughout the years, man, but there was something about that gig. Do you guys ever see Louis Anderson host it? That dude looked like he finished a whole fucking bottle of Jack before each taping. Well,
1: he always looks like he's about to have a heart attack.
3: Well, No, that's when he was getting extorted, right? For uh, the guy, like, trying to get money out of him for... whole. He was a gay, right? And he was keeping it under wraps. And uh, that whole time he was on that show, he was getting extorted for money and blackmailed. And he just... When you go back and watch him now, dude, he is just sweating like a pig. He looks like he's one step from a bullet. It's really depressing and he has no energy. He's like, oh, let's play a fan. What a Uh, weird time. Whenever, like,
2: getting figured out that, yeah, that that could ruin your career, yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: anyway. I guess I'm looking here and Maria Alonzo here, she actually she also appeared in uh, Predator 2, so maybe that's where I yeah yeah. So another little interesting fact, tidbit, because I always wonder what he thinks when they adapt his uh, books to film. But
2: mm, yeah, uh,
1: I, I, I looked up King and he, of course he dislikes this film, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because uh, it partly follows his original story. But he really didn't like the casting of Arnold as then uh, Richard, so oh, he man, didn't like man. it at all.
2: He wanted an everyman type of guy or something. Well, yeah, oh.
1: probably something more
3: you know like that what you're doing. I agree I agree uh, to its extent I, well, I understand where it's coming from at least because yeah Arnold at the time he was just your poster boy he doesn't really fit anybody's mo- when you're writing a book you're probably not writing and describing character like Arnold Schwarzenegger an Austrian guy with a fucking gap he can walk through that's on roids but he was a, a blockbuster maker and it's I could see if I was the writer of that book them putting Arnold in my movie adaptation automatically turns it to an action movie right it just it makes it uh, maybe makes it something that I didn't intend it to be.
2: Yeah. At the same time, though, you want a guy that could be believed to like kill all these like huge guys, too.
3: Yeah, I get. Well, they also changed it from what he's saying, too, from the book. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's different. They, they they just made it something. What? I'm pretty sure the casting of Arnold came first. Then it's like, OK, we got Arnold on board. Let's make this this uh, vehicle fit for him. Well, well, the interesting
1: thing is they didn't even use King's name, and he probably knew what they were trying to do, and was like, "No, you're going to put Richard Bachman on there because that's what it says, like written, you know, by Richard Bachman. Nothing about Stephen King. So, I don't really understand what the whole reasoning. Like, maybe they just like the concept. They're like, "Well, we're the dystopian stuff's real hot right now, so we're gonna we want to do another. We want to do a film like this. Uh, And it was probably
3: just uh, really hip to have a Stephen King licensed movie right like a yeah. his, his name attached to it
1: well I guess the book rights were bought before and like the uh, I can't remember who bought the original rights to it oh uh Rob Cohen purchased the rights to Richard Bachman's novella the running man he had no idea Bachman was actually a pseudonym for Stephen King so oh. they didn't even fucking know when they bought the book rights I'm guessing it was kicking around and they're like hey we paid for this like what are we doing with it
3: but if you could, notice, though, they, sorry, sorry, if you notice, they, they announced Stephen King adapted a, a miniseries or movies like of books that are a year. Dr. Sleep. When was, how old was that book before? I think he's getting movie deals before the books even come out because it's Stephen King. And, uh, well, this you know, back
1: in the day, though, too. The, obviously, know, when, yeah, 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 yeah,
3: could this have been before the
2: public widely even knew it was, uh, Stephen King, it was Bachman.
1: I can't. I think so. I think he, uh, cause they put out the omnibus after he like announced that he was Stephen King. But, you know, I want to say, and like, it's interesting cause I have, uh, I, that Bachman book had like a picture and it was of some like random old dude like on the back. Like, he, he really was like mm-hmm. trying to kind of hide it for a few years there too as well. Uh, he, I heard in one interview he said that, uh, he didn't want his mom to, like, read some of these fucking stories. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what what did you think when you were writing it? And you had, like, all the kids, like, masturbating each other and shit. Like, that still I, hasn't made it into any of the movie. Ad- well, of obvious for obvious reasons, but, like, it's in your book, bro. Like
2: You know that movie Gerald's Game that was made mm-hmm. into one? Yeah, I watched part of it. Yeah, I want to say the original book, instead of, like, a, uh, like... Uh, what's that called eclipse they were at like a baseball game like uh, the father and daughter and i want to say in the book like while they were at the baseball game he had his daughter sit on his lap and he like jacked off under her back it's like, yeah
1: yeah fuck? it had more sleazy undertones and that it was actually a companion book with um oh fuck what's that uh it had uh kathy bates in it um
3: a misery Misery. Or no, no, Dolores Claiborne Dolores Claiborne. Dolores
1: Claiborne, that happened so that like when he's doing that weird shit at that time, the Dolores Claiborne stuff's happening on the other side of the lake. Kinda so they he wrote those two books to be like uh counterparts, I yeah, guess. He
2: wrote that and put his name on for his mom to read, but not fucking the running man.
1: I think his mom was dead, but and then that was oh, the most yeah. <laughs> Stephen King book I ever read man like it's a like I had to set it down and it wasn't even very long it was just boring like I didn't know
0: yeah
1: and then I saw the movie and I was like okay the movie seems to be pretty pretty accurate adaption King should like this you know but I still it was boring like I
3: don't know I enjoyed it I thought I, I like the movie okay I, and I could see it being boring as a book though so maybe it maybe it just translates better in one medium than yeah. the other I don't know
1: yeah it's boring the book is It's really like it's just you're just sitting there with like One character in the room and it's really like her Thoughts yeah What she's thinking
2: yeah I remember Reading like uh, America's Psycho and thinking That was a really boring book Because there were just like pages and pages of him Describing what the character he's talking To was wearing Because like, uh, <laughs> he, he's Like super like bent on like, and
3: Yeah, himself, yeah.
2: Those pages of him describing Armani suits and shit And it's like I don't care
3: so I just yeah, right, get
1: to the killing them. <laughs>
3: like I get it. You've established she's nuts. Uh, scrap
1: what their guts look like. Damn it! Hey,
3: what's fun to note about this movie and any movie that takes place in the future is the year it takes place and where we're at now, currently in real life. This film was set in 2017, supposedly at the earliest. Like they,
4: 2017.
3: No, so...
1: the the film was set, and actually, the film was set in 2019, is what I read.
3: Or oh. is there a lapse of time by chance? Maybe.
1: Oh, when he was to prison to when uh, he escapes—that makes sense. They he did two years in there because he did look like he was like buff. Yeah, up and, so and,
3: so that's that's what I've read is that, and they even okay. say it's the earliest twenty seventeen, so maybe like 2017, 2019. Interesting. I want my fucking Death Game TV shows. I want all the stuff they promised us. Where are her there's, another, there's
1: another movie that's called Death Game, something Death something Game Show or whatever from the
3: eighties. Mm-hmm. oh fuck dude you know what another that reminds me death race is a movie that's kind of similar right
1: yeah with cars bring out and the, the the bat- people to run them down
3: <laughs> yeah and i even like the the paul anderson remake with jason statham i thought that was a fun popcorn movie like i fucking like this stupid shit um yeah it's it's very much like uh this movie but with cars mm-hmm. but yeah Anyway, oh, another fact too, just because I'm staring at it, and I, I fucking had no clue of this, but it's really cool. And I don't know if I would have hated the movie even if they went this route. Don Johnson, they wanted him to play Ben, but he passed.
1: There was somebody else they wanted to play him too, as well. I can't remember, and he, I think that guy passed
3: too, as well as a. What a different movie would have been with Don Johnson.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what this would have been with Don Johnson. Probably a blip on the map, man. Like, if I wouldn't have been money treat. back, maybe.
3: Like, it would have been a total rewrite, or uh, d- The script would have taken a new form because you can't say, you know, Sub-Zero, Plane Zero, and Don Johnson's voice, but I don't know. It's funny. Uh,
1: another <laughs> thing I wanted to bring up, I saw on the news, and I want to bring up is, like, it really is, it's got to be, like, 2019, 2020, and, like, the original book is 2025, so we're in, like, a certain time span, and even the book I referenced, uh, The Long Walk, takes place in 2000, so you're, like, in a 20-year span of, like, crumbling which makes sense or whatever but um the other thing i wanted to bring up was um uh this film uh it it, it definitely has like this style and feel to it uh that kind of sets the tone for a definitely like even total recall and like later arnold vehicles i don't know if you notice that, but I mean, I don't, I feel like if he hadn't have done this, he might not have done Total Recall the sixth day. Uh, didn't he do another one or is this, this mm-hmm. are those the only three? I, I feel like he did another one.
3: I'm trying to think too. Like an even worse one after six day.
1: Maybe something like that, or maybe, maybe something earlier. I, I, he's done so much though over the years.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah i always yeah it is interesting i i do Oh, Termi-
1: I think- terminator is a dystopic film that's what i was thinking oh, yeah, of. yeah yeah some- so.
3: sometimes you just forget the obvious one like
1: right yeah. <laughs> like what yeah. the fuck he did another one before this so yeah well
3: i i but it's funny though. when i think total recall i always think of the running man even though they're not the same movie in the slightest but just because they're both dystopic and yeah i don't know um yeah, like, we, we were mentioning before we started,
2: like, the stuff that, like, movies like this get right. Like, this movie definitely predicted, like, our obsession with, like, uh, fucking reality TV kind of shit like that.
3: Yeah, and that, so that was an influence as well. And I also think, doesn't that bitch who wrote The Hunger Games owe the creators of this a sandwich for basically taking that premise, too, and all those type? I mean, it's been done before, but, I mean, who did it before? Yeah, Running she, Man?
1: she definitely read... The the Richard Bachman omnibus when it came out and was and like everybody, everybody
3: everybody talks about battle royale and shit too which yeah. I guess is you know but those are this, from
1: like the nineties that still is like not this pre this completely predates. And I think yeah. that on walked earlier
2: and but hunting movie hunting human movies I mean they're all stealing from the greatest movie of all time fucking the past with John Leguizamo <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes
2: that was a Corey G joke
1: that's funny yeah I like uh, I, I do love the Pest. Oh, uh, I wanted to mention one thing uh I noticed. So remember how like he needs like an RD- ID card to fly or whatever? I just saw yeah. like on the news that in there cuz they like I don't know if they I'm guessing they've done it like nationwide or whatever, but you have to have like the updated identification to get on a, a plane or whatever now. And I just saw that because of the whole COVID thing, they have like this machine that you stick your ID in and it like scans it and then does like a, scr- or a retina scan and everything. And it was like, that was the whole thing about getting on like uh, the plane was, she's like, you don't have a travel pass, And mm-hmm. we're there, dude. That You have to have like a fucking travel pass.
2: But all you got to do is pretend like uh, you, you can't find your shit and they'll let you go through. Just like you're holding up the line.
1: <laughs> do you think that works?
2: Yeah. That's what they did in the movie and it worked.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It worked in 87, but mm-hmm. it's not now. Oh, one little, uh, one, one last little tidbit. Uh, when Arnold was running for governor, he rode around in a bus called the running.
3: Oh, I mean, and, and he was using like, uh, I will terminate the, my fucking opponent. He was using like puns in his campaigns. <laughs> I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. Exactly. I know so many people that were talking about how they voted for him because of the
2: meme. Like, Oh, it's Tom it's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course I voted for him.
3: That's why people voted for Donald Trump, man.
1: Exactly. I want, I want when he, uh, when, it, when his opponent lost, he said, like, you know, so and so, no zero. Hell yes. Yeah. Was, the, mean, fucking I, the best line, man.
3: I legit <laughs> believe if someone like Dwayne Johnson ran for president, they would win because it's nothing but a popularity contest. Uh, and you got to imagine all the people that just don't know shit about politics that are just going to go off recognition. Right. I oh, don't
1: know. Kanye's uh, trying that and it's not working out for him. <laughs> well, <laughs> well he's, got
3: it. he's established himself being pretty crazy everywhere. I mean, everybody's he's pretty much got.
1: Bi- he's established that he's definitely certified bipolar. Nothing, nothing against him. I it helps. Yeah. I don't want him running my country. That like, I don't want him running the country. Like, or being having his hands like on nuclear weapons. Like, I don't. Might be a bad day. Exactly. I'm gonna suicide the country.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. It helps if you're not going through a mental breakdown when you do it. That, yeah. That's the that's the main thing. Be popular, not have
1: a mental breakdown. But I feel like winning an election will cause him to have a mental breakdown too. Oh, yeah. like yeah. One, he would he would he would be in disbelief and have to be hospitalized, and you know it's just not going to work out. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I don't think anybody's given any credit to uh, Steve Dazuzo, man. Because I think uh, I would love to have a career like that, guys. I mean, he's written some classics. Um, he's written some stinkers too, but you know, obviously, Die Hard. He did. He did Commando also. He wrote that. Um, Die Hard too, which I don't want to talk about because I don't like it. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Beverly Hills Cop three. Never mind. It's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse before <laughs> <than laughs> I talk. Wait, um, yeah. I wait. Wait. It. Wait. Judge Dredd It's getting worse. Knockoff with Van Dam. It's getting worse.
1: <laughs> well, it, you know, the, I'm pretty sure Judge Dredd had its own problems, and yeah. then like. I was I didn't like that's another dystopic, uh based off comic book and uh, um I like the I like that reality and like I've warmed up to that uh dre- just dread.
2: The new one, yeah. Uh
1: but I didn't like it at first. I really didn't. I was like, Who the fuck is this piece of shit? Like initially Dude, I saw it and shit. I really didn't like it, but I've seen it three or four more times and I was like, Okay, this this has got some interesting stuff.
3: Everybody was talking about that uh Carl Urban Dread and I I tried watching it, and I just fell asleep. It wasn't because of the movie, but I need to watch it again. I literally was tired, so I want to watch it. The original Judge Dredd was still alone. I think it's just the biggest wasted opportunity because the movie itself kind of plods and it's got it's just boring but the but it, it's got a lot going for it. I think it looks fucking awesome i think the I, I feel are...
1: like he was trying to do the demolition demolition man yeah, came Demol- before right
3: demolition and it feels man too, too
1: much like demolition man to me True. like it's like. Con- oh, okay, we're going to do Demolition Man, but this time it's going to be a comedy.
3: But we're still mm. going to cast Rob Schneider to confuse you. Yeah. Because Rob Schneider's in both. I
2: remember, like, a big reason people <laughs> hated, yeah, a big reason people hated Dread was because, like, oh, you you got fucking Stallone to play this iconic character, and because he's such a big name, you kept taking the fucking helmet off, and people were like, you're not supposed to take and the helmet not off. not
1: supposed to ever. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It... I wanna like it. That's a movie I revisit and try to watch every few years and see if it's changed on me, but no, I mean it's got a good support cast besides fucking Rob Schneider, which by the way, the movie that Steve DeZoza wrote before Judge Dredd, I think, was Knock Off of Van Dam, which also had Rob Schneider as the sidekick role. He does not make movies better. And I'm glad people realized that before they kept giving him too many roles. Um, oh, no.
1: What's that movie he does really good in? Was he in the Three Ninjas movie? Oh, Surf, Ninjas. Surf Ninjas, Surf Ninjas. Yeah, he was that good was. in that. He was, that was. amazing. Was I'm sure Riverman would agree with
3: River Man would agree with you until he watches the movie again. Uh, <laughs> that's that, that, that. I I said this on some podcast. I don't remember, but I. When we were doing that commentary, Riverman was like, oh, man, I love that movie, dude. I'm like, do you really, dude? Do you really like it? Or are you just have you been quoting brothers don't surf your whole life? And that's all you remember is that funny line because watch it again. And when we actually showed up to record, he's like, dude, that movie's fucking terrible. I'm like, I know. It's terrible. (laughs) You remember
1: it from your childhood thinking, I loved it then. It's got to be gold still now. It's
3: this thing. Mac has that problem, too, man. You remember one quote or one scene. You don't really remember anything else. And you just build up this fantasy movie around those couple of things you remember. And I'm like, no, the movie's pretty shitty. I've seen better production quality in episodes of Saved by the Bell. I mean, it's (laughs) not
1: Children's face are like a bird seeing something shiny.
3: Flying mm-hmm. down. Yeah.
1: Like, thinking it's like something more valuable than it really is, and then going, Oh, that's just a candy
3: wrapper. It's the biggest <laughs> it's the biggest uh kiddie pandering movie I've ever seen. It's like, oh man, that little kid has a game gear and he's controlling <laughs> Leslie Nielsen with it for some reason that we won't explain. I I wanna do that too. I love it.
2: The best part is when Leslie Nielsen grabs his cock in in a kid's movie, though. Like, he just grabs his bulge and...
3: The stuff they could get away with back then. You clearly
2: see the shaft and everything.
3: (laughs) That's so fucking stupid. Why do these people have jobs in Hollywood? (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, it's dumb. That's one of those movies that's better suited for just, like, the five-minute edit on YouTube for, like, the highlights, and that's it.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Anyway... We've given that piece of shit enough fucking airtime.
2: Oh, it needs more. <laughs>
1: okay. So, like I always ask, uh, what do you, you guys recommend this film? You give it a recommendation to the listeners if they haven't seen it. Like,
4: yeah,
3: definitely. It it's classic. It's it's it's. I consider it. I don't consider it one of the the highest bar like tier Arnold movies but it's definitely in the category of classic yeah. Arnold.
2: P- people talk about it like, "Oh yeah, it doesn't hold up," but they're referring to it like it doesn't hold up like uh the, the term like the classic one like The Terminator and like, you know, fucking uh all the other great Commando and, you know, and the, when when they say that it doesn't hold up, it, it's still like fucking it's like, you know, a fun action movie. This, this sure. is
1: way better than Commando oh you think I'm, so yes i do like, yeah, my favorite do. i'll tell you my my favorite uh arnold films are uh this and uh uh what is the raw deal oh, <laughs> holy. raw so deal sucks dude i Ra- everyone's like i hate raw deal i'm like yeah for all the reasons you hate it is why i fucking love it dude.
3: So. <laughs> riverman and i talk about raw deal all the time
1: cool check the night soccer hires him on Kill you know, kill yourself and your identity. We don't even know what the fuck happened to his wife. I mean, it, you know, fucking. We,
3: I don't. I don't think I've ever seen Raw Deal, <laughs> dude. Okay, you should. Riverman and I reference Raw Deal still on occasion because we just remember renting it when we were in high school or something like that, and just falling asleep. It was the worst.
1: HBO video, baby. It was
3: boring, oh, man.
1: Fall oh, asleep. That is a classic. Me and my boys love that movie. The chase. It starts off with a fucking chase scene, like it's action packed. There's fucking explosions. Each, he blows up a fucking oil refinery right off the get go. He's on his health kick about eating cake and we we're going to eat cake and get fat. And uh,
3: <laughs> I will say I shouldn't uh, judge it too hard. I mean, I, I should watch it again because I'm literally judging it based off the one experience we had with it in high school a long time ago. I should give it another shot. Red Heat, I tried doing the same thing, man. I've watched Red Heat. I'm like, I just, this movie's boring, man. And Jim Belushi?
0: Who's trying to make
3: Jim Belushi a star? They should be shot. The cocaine.
1: I do like Jim Belushi. I was watching his weed show the other day, but it just seems like hippie ramble. Like, I don't know. Like, dude, you need to, like, put the weed down when you're going to tell us something. It just seems like. I didn't
2: even know Jim Belushi still existed. Blue Farms, Blue She Farms. He's, he has uh, some yeah. travel
1: thing where he's trying to like grow weed or something like that, and it's it's all right. I it's like it's kind of relaxing if you're just looking for some like background noise and stuff of like a fucking
3: stoner around rambling around and. Oh
1: yeah, I like it. It's real. It's relaxing, but uh, yeah,
3: I think this movie. I guess I'd have to call it second tier because I don't know what the bottom tier is, but the bottom tier is like maybe like third tier would be like collateral damage which is pretty fucking bad but it's still not quite fourth tier i don't know what fourth tier would be uh but my first tier arnold movies are t1 t2 uh total his
1: acting is horrible in terminator like he's not the reason why like it could have been anybody in that fucking role dude. yeah do you and, like, even consider uh, it a yeah. arnold movie it's just a yeah yeah
2: the fact that he's a robot though you can forgive better yeah
1: yeah, that's true. He he is his acting is very robotic.
2: <laughs> Commando's actually always been my favorite Arnold movie.
1: <clears throat> what do you like about it though? Is it just 'cause it's a it's like a great I know it's action packed,
3: but really like, <laughs> it's, it's the epitome of a popcorn movie. It's right. so
2: stu- yeah, it's so stupid. He's like fucking he's hiding behind like he's hiding behind bushes and they're like not able to shoot him them.
3: Like, how know. does that work?
1: That's, I don't like it. It's terrible. <laughs>
3: I mean this might be Cardinal Sin, man, but I think I honestly might place twins in the top five. I fucking oh,
1: that is, dude, that's horrible. I
3: <laughs> kindergarten <laughs> cop too. Kindergarten cop and twins. Kinder,
1: dude, I, I'll I'll get down with you on the kindergarten cop or last action here. I know you you guys uh really River Man loves that. kindergarten or not kindergarten. Well, I think he likes kindergarten cop too, but last action here.
3: I like last action hero. Yeah. Last action hero to me is is second tier, Arnold. It kind of fits in with this. Work. It's
1: fun. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. Really?
3: It's fun. a fun movie. I don't think it's uh it's one I don't think it's one of his best. Funking but it's
1: fucking cheek, you know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> How about the couple of acres or here's a couple of acres, whatever the fuck he says. But, I think uh, Aaron
2: likes fucking Junior. He would put that in A list.
3: No, Junior's uh <laughs> Junior's not that good. That's like third tier.
1: But about well, what's that eraser he did? That was terrible. I don't like eraser. To me, that uh, was
3: that that to me that's like the the dividing point between his audience. Like some people say that was his last good movie, and some people say that was shit movie. Yeah. I, is, I think Tom Arnold
1: I, was in that though, right? Was that the side? He was sidekick.
3: Well, that was no, True Lies.
2: It, true Lies is that one. That yeah. was True
1: Lies. Yeah, you know what? He should have did more sidekick vehicles with Tom Arnold because that seemed to work. And it was really, like, Tom Arnold was loving it, I'm sure. Yeah. True I Lies know. is pretty
2: good. I like True Lies. Yeah, no,
1: True yeah. Lies is all right, but it's like, I can't, like, I don't know. That's, that's too that's too big budget for the show.
3: The
2: only thing I remember about Eraser was him fighting CG Alligators.
3: Yeah, it was yeah. fucking terrible. And I think that one had, like, did that one have Robert Duvall or have, like, another one of those old actors in there? Someone else was in it. I can't remember. Not not Duvall, but somebody else was in it. But, uh, oh, maybe it was James Kahn. Because James Kahn was in that. Holy
2: shit, Chuck Russell? Directed fucking eraser? Oh fuck. I was thinking of
3: <laughs> not I was thinking of Kurt Russell. I'm so stupid. Fuck. I'm bad with this. I'm bad with names. Chuck Liddell, Kurt Russell? No, um I think uh Total uh, sorry True Lies was his last great movie. And then I think right after True Lies we got eraser, right? Or was it Jingle all the way in between there? Which I like Jingle all the way, actually. Uh um, yeah. but, but uh yeah, eraser's kind of where it shit the bed with me. And I don't I, I think I got into an argument with Riverman about this, but I don't think True Lies is a perfect ten. But I will say True Lies is is probably still top tier Arnold. But uh I just think the ending drags on a bit. <laughs> like it's just okay, more. Now we're going here. Wait, didn't we just have this whole car chase scene? Weren't we at the the drug the, the, the terrorist hideout? Now we're now we're where it just kind of keeps going and going and going. The third but, act. Yeah. Yeah, that third act just drags. It's too much. But uh but it's it's a it's a pretty damn good movie. Yeah, this movie's this movie's good too. I'd say this movie's like uh, I definitely recommend it. I know you don't really do ratings on the show, but for me, it's a it's a solid seven. I like this movie.
1: Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. it's definitely entertaining. I've always I've always recommended it. Like, well, if you haven't seen it, it's it's definitely worth the watch because I mean, yes, yeah, his, his acting isn't like I don't know top tier yet, or I don't know if we could debate it too if it ever got top tier, but. Uh, you know, we, I just think it's a, like a, just a good mashup of cast and of course Jesse Ventura and you know Jim Brown and everything. I think I think it just had that right magic. I don't think it's just Arnold or anything like that. So, but I you know, I can't imagine that film having like a regular like I mean some regular Joe in there like I just don't think we'd be talking about it. So. Yeah.
2: Who, who was your favorite uh wrestler? Like character he had to fight. Mine was uh, Sub Zero because it's the same guy from fucking Three Ninjas.
1: My favorite's a Buzzsaw, and I don't. That guy was in a bunch of shit. I I can't remember what I'd seen him in.
2: Yeah, the fucking the the guy from Three Ninjas, like he's the henchman of like the bad guy. They have to hit him in the nuts. They hit. Yeah, they kick him in the nuts, and he, he goes. <laughs>
1: Did you guys <laughs> notice uh the security guard there was uh LaFour's from uh Mallrats too, as well oh, yeah. <laughs> One dude in the background, I'm just like, I know you from this movie in fucking Mallrats like and you're a security guard in that too, Mallrats, <laughs> So
2: What if he was just a real security guard that he was just in the right place at the right time?
1: I think that's what it was. It's like everybody he's like the security guard at like boxing matches and like everybody just knew him. That's yeah. probably what it was too.
2: Possible. Or he was a character actor that specifically plays security guard. That's possible.
3: Yeah, not sure. I, I think this movie, like you're saying, being similar in tone at least to to Total Recall hinders it because when I think dystopian Arnold movie, I just think, okay, well, I, you know, Total Recall is like a 10. I love Total Recall.
1: Well, so yeah, yeah, you mean you try the off world stuff and everything? Yeah, they're it's different like, movies. But,
3: yeah, they're totally different movies. But like you said, there's like this trilogy of. Well, I mean, then you had Six Day, uh, which is the worst movie. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. But as far as sci-fi, futuristic Arnold movies, Terminator aside, I, I it doesn't get much better than Total Recall. I think that's tops.
1: Well, now I, now I feel like we should have picked that one, and it, it had like three tits on the alien. Fuck that Best movie. Opportunity.
3: Front to back. I mean, I could talk about Running Man. I remember a lot of the lines in Running Man, but Total Recall. And granted, I've seen Total Recall a lot more, dude. Every fucking scene in that movie has is quotable. Like, I mean, every scene in that movie is quotable. I mean, between even even a boring scene with him with Harry from Verk when he's jackhammering has memorable lines in it. It's just so fucking recall, recall, recall. Every mundane scene in that movie is super cool and memorable. I don't know. I love it, man. I think it's great. We should do that sometime. I want to yeah, watch it.
1: Yeah, right on, uh, BTM, and we'll, uh, you guys probably covered Total Recall on there, though, huh?
3: Did we do it with Riverman, or we not do that? We did a commentary of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, it's got a 4K release coming out, man. I'm probably going to triple dip into that, and, uh i don't know man tripled tripled. i know i'm that fucking idiot i I don't
1: have a 4k player i wanted to get that well see i wanted to upgrade to that where we're getting off topic i want to talk about this in the outro but uh it's that uh dawn uh fucking 4k
3: yeah yeah i know okay we could talk about that. yeah i'd like
1: to talk a little bit about some releases coming out and we could talk you know about total recall one okay yeah well shit uh let's roll into a break we'll do like an outro and we'll take like well i guess some questions or whatever on the uh, youtube like we sometimes do i don't know if we did it did we do it on the last episode zach
2: yeah we kept i kept forgetting to bring it up on the last okay. two episodes
1: all right well we'll let's try to hit some of those questions and uh yeah so with that uh aaron take us into the break man
3: Alright, well you guys have been listening to Exploited Cinema where we've been talking about the amazing 1980's Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle, The Running Man, and when we come back, we're going to do exactly what Badges fucking told you. Were you listening? That's it.
5: Kill him. The mailing. The agent orange in Napalm. The torture cages. They were the easy part of combat shock. Meet Frankie Dunlop. Decorated war hero, ex-prisoner of war. But when he returned home, nothing had prepared him for the nightmare that would follow. Combat shock. do oh, you want a broken arm? Yeah, let's break his arm. He found society had turned against him. His job was gone. It doesn't look any better, Sir Frankie. There's nothing here for you. They want experience. You don't have the skill. The chemical warfare that had poisoned Vietnam was now poisoning his family. Hey, just shut up. You know what it was like out there. You know what you were exposed to. Ow. Didn't tell me! Ow. His childhood friend had become a desperate junkie. Oh. Oh. And the sweet little girl next door was being forced to sell her body in the gutter. I missed you on? A date. That's no way to behave. Come back, shut!
0: Oh.
5: Frankie tried to stand up to the oh. scum. Any idea what you're doing to that kid? Hey, get the fuck out of here, man! And you leave my wife out of this. (sighs) But he found that life in the streets was more treacherous than the jungles of Vietnam. gonna stop my ass! Shut up, bitch! What are you doing with that girl? What are you trying to do, Mike? Then your crime's on me. Combat shot. It followed him everywhere. Was it a nightmare or a reality? Ah! The battlefield may have changed, but the war was still on. Ow! Combat shot. Oh! More action than Rambo. More terror than the Terminator. I love you. Oh!
0: Ah!
5: More gut-wrenching violence than Commando.
0: Ah!
5: Combat Shock. An explosive film you'll
4: never forget.
5: Combat Shock.
4: Go check out the Movie Graveyard Podcast. Available today on your favorite podcast platforms. The Weird Wild and wonderful movies of yesteryear are resurrected and live again in the Movie Graveyard. On each episode, a few of the caretakers of the Movie Graveyard will be sitting down to watch a beloved film and having a conversation while the movie rolls. Think of it less as a commentary and more of a chat that is spurred on by the events of the movie. Grab a cold one and get ready to go on a wild cinematic ride through time. Again, it's titled The Movie Graveyard. Movies that have been recently covered on the podcast include Idle Hands, all the right moves poltergeist and the hidden stream it today on apple Podcasts, spotify and at the themoviegraveyard.podbean.com many episodes up for you to listen to make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases of the movie graveyard go listen download and subscribe today
5: I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Once, they made history. I must see through it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude. But is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J-7. You have sunk my battleship. Excellent! Best two out of three. What? Enjoying join the family. No way! Invading the present. I totally possess my dad. Battling <laughs> the future. you meddle, metal, dude. Excuse us, but your shoes are untied. <laughs> Can't believe we just nailed death. And meeting their maker. Guy... Congratulations on Earth! Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. Best of seven? Damn right.
0: Ah! Oh, Two!
5: Left hand red. Ah! Yeah! Bill and Ted's. Focus Journey.
0: Final point The point! LAST go!
1: Welcome back to Exploited Cinema, guys, and this is the outro, and I'm joined by Zach and Aaron. Uh, They've stuck around this whole time. I I hope you guys are having fun. We had some technical difficulties, mainly on my end, what's new, but uh, it sounds
3: good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mainly. He means
1: entirely. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) Skype, I remember when I first started rolling with Zach, he he wanted me to use some fucking, some other thing that they primarily use, and I said, is there an app? For the phone oh yeah mm-hmm. already, he said no and i said well we're gonna have to use skype because there's a, there's uh-huh. an app for the phone so
2: oh yeah see back in the day like we had uh aaron got a new microphone if we would have known and he would have been doing the show then like we could have gave you his old one
3: we could have been in business
1: yeah i need a usb microphone for
3: the for this uh yeah. and then bro really just, do... uh, just get a yeti man i mean um they're about a, run? okay 100? so they're about 100 but every year okay. around the around the holidays like coming up you can always get them on sale for like 80 like they always run them on sale and they're they're tried and true like no you're not going to do like voiceover professional contract work with it but youtubers use it podcasters. it's totally good it's plug and play and it's awesome yeah i would have i i got rid of mine i mean i i honestly would have would. Would have gave you mine. I just would have mailed it to you. I, but
2: I remember I got mine for like a hundred bucks on eBay, and it came with like a, a stand.
1: Yeah, a hundred isn't a bad price for me. I mean, that's that's well, I'll dro- I drop I drop a hundred on a comic book, so. <laughs> like,
2: I think brand new they run like maybe a hundred fifty or something like that. But no,
3: they're I think one hundred twenty is the retail. But you I can, can probably,
1: see my last microphone was a refurb. No, it wasn't a refurbished. I got a deal on it because. And I may still have it around, and it may it may actually work. But uh, I got a deal on it because it was like a display model, and sometimes you can get display models
3: mm-hmm.
1: from stores.
3: Yeah, yeah so Blue Yetis they retail one twenty nine ninety nine, but like I said, around the holidays you can get hundred or even lower. Trust me, it's like every year. Um, but that's what Zach uses, and he sounds just fine. And mm-hmm. A riverman used them i i used to use them and and you know what's funny zach is i'm gonna get another one
1: really even though i got rid ripped- of yeah. come with a pop screen
3: uh well, actually i don't think it does no i think you can buy uh, like well, a you know i've always
1: nah man i always go to the store and just steal one of those test pantyhose and then just get a coat hanger and shit and boom
3: but uh i think I'm it's going not
1: really stealing if you forget that you tried it on and you wore it out right
3: mm-hmm. yeah I want to yeah. get an I want to get another one, Zach. Uh, just because I realize like there's no better bang for the buck microphone because it's super easy to use for when I if I travel and stuff more. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just so easy, man. Because if I I've, can
1: get a pre-owned one for eighty bucks here. Yeah, on, this the setup eBay. I have.
3: The interface is fine. I could technically I've packed my little interface and I I pack my my uh, mic I have now in the stand. It's fine, but I still have to pack more. You just can't beat the Yeti like just folding up and you just throw it in your bag and, and it's good, good enough quality. I think if I get another one though, I'll probably upgrade to the uh, blue Yeti X just to see if there's any difference. That one that's like 170. I don't know. Mm. Why not? But uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna get another one because I got to move into a, an apartment because I'm waiting to have a house built and I'm moving out in a couple of weeks of my current house. So I think I'm just going to pack shit up and leave it packed up. So I was tempted to get a Yeti just so I can still record podcasts over the, you know, and just kind of use that and use like my laptop and, Keep it fucking simple.
1: Now, can you wire this fucker or Bluetooth it to the phone? Like in case
3: I'm like on the run. I don't think so. I mean there's a pro one. Uh, maybe that one can do some fucking weird magic. Maybe the pro that's the one I'm gonna check out next, but there's a pro one, yeah, so I don't know. But the one we were talking about. And the pro one retails for thirty bucks more, so I imagine I can get that one on sale too for a few cheaper somewhere.
1: Mm -hmm. Best Buy's got this thing for one thirty uh free shipping right now
3: and yeah, I that, guess it's
1: through eBay right now so
3: but you can get on but yeah that's the retail price so yeah uh, yeah you can definitely get a better deal but no man I mean best bang for your buck mics I mean fucking YouTubers with millions of users still use Blue Yeti's so
1: yeah I just didn't want to drop a bunch of money cuz I haven't been doing this primarily <laughs> I've been uh you know doing the magazine which uh Zach you've had that bad boy in your hands what 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 are your thoughts
2: it's fucking awesome, baby. We got, uh, well, Adrian Mendoza bought uh, a copy recently. I
1: know he, he did. I, so, you know, somebody through the podcast, listen, listener actually did buy the, by the magazine. We what did a he couple, think
2: of it? Yeah. He's liking it. He's, he took a picture and stuff like that. Uh, oh,
1: did he comment? So what did he say? I didn't see it. He took a uh, picture on his,
2: on his Instagram. Of, of okay. It in his hand. Yeah. So yeah, let, let us know what you think in the comments of this one. We got yeah. some comments from him to read through. Okay, let's,
1: yeah, let's throw those out.
2: Yeah, on the Halloween call-in special in the Rock and Roll Horror Retrospective, the first six-hour episode of Exploited Cinema, Adrian Mendoza says, nice six hours of sleaze. I love that <laughs> they tried to call Zach. Zach, what were you up to that you didn't answer uh, on your rotary phone? <laughs> Riverman was great on this episode. I think I was at work. Like uh, That was around the time I started the job that I, I still have. Uh, it became like a side job. And Is that
1: like, the grave uh, digger job or the gas station? I know you worked at a gas station, right?
2: No, the uh, fucking uh convenience store. I oh. never worked at a gas station. You
3: were a grave digger, Zach?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that wouldn't see. That wouldn't be a bad job for me.
3: I'd do it.
1: You were? Oh, yeah. I, you, know, you told me a while back that you worked like the night shift, so I just figured you were a grave. Yeah, digger. it was a it was a convenience or, or store. grave robber, one or the other. <clears throat> Hell yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: On uh on Savage Streets commentary, uh, Bloodless RVC says. Yeah, give me them luscious 1984 Linda Blair titties. Great movie. Hell yeah. 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 A lot of these are, aren't really questions. Just like commenting Comment. on the show. Yeah.
1: They're... Yeah. What? Whatever. What was his name?
3: Bloodless RVC. Bl-
1: Bloodless. Yeah, they're more than a mouthful. I think sir. are uh, Yeah. I don't know what they Hell look yeah. like now. She's kind of like leather facey and stuff. But like, and not only that, like Rick, Rick James, like kind of wore that ass out. I'm sure. I oh, had. I think he just primed
3: have. it. He primed it. <laughs> yeah. I saw her at a convention about uh, four years ago, and she she was really petite. She looks older, but I think she looked like a, a nice older woman. But she's clearly, you know, has her age. But yeah, she didn't. She wasn't very curvy anymore. Her tits weren't. You know that those tits that she had back in the day that was because of that 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 fucking corn corn fed meat on her. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, she's kind of a small chick. Juicy.
1: They're probably raisins now, I like raisins. They they weren't big. Yeah,
3: she was yeah. just a petite older woman. <clears> Try <throat> it out. <clears throat> I mean, I'd still hit it just to say I could. So, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's fine. Yeah,
1: that's what I say about all these old broads that are famous. <laughs> <Just to> say, <laughs> right, yeah, American I banged.
3: I I I banged Linda Blair, and you just omit the part when she was seventy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Adrian Mendoza, again, says on the Halloween season of the witch commentary, he says, I'm halfway through the commentary and I'm loving it. Bat 32 and especially J-Dog are saying some hilarious shit. When don't they say hilarious shit, though?
1: I don't, you know, I don't remember a lot of those episodes for, uh, if you listen to the last episode for obvious reasons, but we had to keep that always low key because, you know, J-Dog was just so paranoid about the uh prison that he worked at finding out that he was a a fucking weed head but like then now like before a lot of states in the u.s legalized it. the entire country fucking legalized it's like
2: canada the entire country yeah
1: yeah it's yeah it's completely like you go on there and like look on there because i was like because it's legal here in michigan i was wondering if i could import Cause we're bordering canada if i could just import uh some hash or whatever straight through there yeah. but i don't think so
2: how long before you can just start buying it on the internet and get it shipped to your house
1: yeah uh, yeah you can't even buy it locally like on the internet i was hoping that it was like i'm hoping that jeff bezos gets this like delivery this drone delivery system so i can just <laughs> have my bag flown over and dropped like your <laughs> marijuana has been delivered sir like then i'm exactly. living in the future man
2: He's, a, he's an evil fuck, but as long as he can get us our baggies to us fucking, like, you know, yeah, at our convenience.
1: It was my book if he can fly the bag over here, but... Exactly.
2: King of the Spiders is one of the revival episodes. Fucking uh, frig uh whatever his name is, he says, General Ver... Uh, oh, this is in a different language, I can't read that, my oh, bad. Oh,
1: can you translate it? I could. Let's translate it.
2: Yeah, we'll get our team on Four. that.
1: All right. So, uh, Zach's going to uh, translate that message, and me and Aaron are going to talk about uh, the second site upcoming release of Dawn of the Dead that's 4K. Oh, good yeah.
3: luck, Trick. Good luck, trans You can't copy and paste shit out of YouTube to translate, I don't think, can you? <laughs> but anyway, no, that, that, dude, that release, I was, um, talk about blue balls and just a disappointment. So, I, I've been looking f- look forward to that for so long. And then when they finally released that, um, Okay, so I, I knew it wasn't going to be our region. No problem there. What I was disappointed in was the price and the fact that if I'm going to pay that price, why can't all the special edition, the new shit, be region-free, too?
4: Well, you have
1: to get, yeah, basically to be able to play that release, hypothetically speaking, is you have to get a region-free 4K player, which is well, about, I don't know, 150
3: to $200. Hey,
2: wait, is it 4K? Didn't they drop... The uh, regions for 4K?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so all. Oh, 4K they play- did. Yeah, here's the thing: all 4K Good. players are region free, so that's why I didn't give a shit at first. So, okay. but but the Blu-rays are. Yeah, they're making all of the added new content, the cool shit on Blu-rays that are not region free, and well, I'm they like,
1: will play on the 4K region free player, right?
3: I don't think it's yeah. a backwards compatible region free. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I don't think, and it's just. It just sucks, I'm like, dude, the packaging's really cool, I think it's a little pricey, but the packaging's cool and i'd I'd still buy it. but if all I'm getting for like a Hunter Bones is a four k transfer of just the original movie, I just feel like it's a disappointment like I want all that new shit. I like all those featurettes they can pull out, and i, I, I all the stuff they released so far i mean in the in in past iterations of the movie. I've loved it. Dawn of the Dead has some of my favorite like feature content and special, you know, behind the scenes content of any flick. And I don't know. I was just real, real disappointed with it. And I just think that damn movie needs a wide release. And it's whoever the fuck owns it and is holding on to it and being fucking steep with it, I don't know, but it's just a it's just a shame. I mean, what were your thoughts on it?
1: Um, my thoughts are that I doubt that they, like, they have these 4K rights or whatever. So, and, like, I don't know, like, how motivated Amer- any American company is. Or maybe it's, like, a money situation. Like, they want, like, too much to license the rights. They have to. They ha- I but,
3: think, like, I
1: think... you know, with the print being out there, it's going to be boot. Like, basically, like, these people don't, I don't know if they realize, but, like, somebody here is going to have the capabilities to rip everything off of that fucking thing so really buying it is going to be for like the completest and so if you're going to buy the thing you're going to buy it for resale because like from what i'm gathering whatever the pre-order is that's like all there's going to be like the l adams and box set. like they're not going to have like you're not going to go to their website and pick this up i could be wrong but that's kind of the census i've seen like amongst the forums about this because i did do some research but at the same time, like it's way cheaper than that fucking Al Adamson box set, and like this is way more desirable. Like, why wouldn't you want this? But you know, as far as the special features go, the the features that uh, interest me the most uh, is that the book is included, which obviously you don't need anything to read the book, and then uh, both the soundtrack uh like all the soundtrack like the goblin uh is included on a cd and mm-hmm. uh then all the other like i guess they're library tracks and those are the ones i'm most interested in because there was a library track cd that came out some years ago and went out of you know couldn't can't get your hands on it and uh because you can get the goblin stuff that's uh, i think waxworks put uh a dawn of the dead which basically the original soundtrack you can buy the soundtrack i've seen it on ebay like the original uh which has all that goblin stuff but the rare stuff is the uh library track stuff like the music with the hillbillies like uh what is it fucking um i'm a man like that hillbilly song that's playing Mm-hmm. Uh about drinking and stuff. Like that's one of the library tracks. So yeah, that's what I like and I had a rip of all that. Like I think it's on YouTube, but I, yeah, I'd like that too as well. And I'm guessing, you know, that's not region.
3: Yeah. It it all comes down to me about the price they're asking to for what I can't access. I feel like for that price, I should be able to have everything that the package offers. So it just I guess it's just down to what particular people care about. I'm not as hell bent on physical music that doesn't do much for me in a collection anymore. I mean, you can get the Goblin soundtracks on Spotify, you, you know, you don't right? That. So uh, and if they were gonna do something physical, a physical bundle, I, I guess I'd rather it be like some kind of vinyl then. But I don't know. Yeah, it's just me not. Too.
1: yeah it's just uh
3: yeah it's Mm -hmm. just not the the be-all end-all for me though but it's a beautiful collection and in my you know i don't know i just i don't want to pay a hundred dollars just for a nice ornament basically and then a copy of the movie which should only be 20 um that's that's just my thing and it's a slick box set man i i would pay 50 for it and i would (laughs) accept i would pay 50 for it when and i would accept that i can't watch those special features or i'm gonna have to check them out on youtube or something
2: I was able to translate this, and to my surprise, it isn't an insult. Oh, Oh, okay. It says, (laughs) great to see Chooch Jr. back with sleaze. He's referring to you, baby. Oh, okay. And he says, too bad he can't talk about the Target incident in 98, which we've alluded to a couple times.
1: Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I I think I know who this foreigner is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay and then uh, after that uh do it yourself mississippi fireworks I-, I bet he has no relationship to that guy uh he says thanks yeah. for having me on uh bat and zach <laughs> was a blast and got to see a fun film too but too bad y'all had to cut out all the mentions of bat and the target instead of 98 i figured by now status of limitations had run out but forgot how state laws vary from state to state. Worst case, we can start up a GoFundMe for bat. He could be uh the new Al Goldstein or Larry Flint. Oh yeah.
1: I'm cool with that.
2: And then a completely different guy after that called Asshat Podcast. He says, Great episode, <laughs> Zachy G is dank, and y'all need to keep that new guy around. I hear he gets all the chicks.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, Newt, dude's done a few episodes. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, cause, uh, I didn't know if he had a copy of uh, Highway to Hell or if he even liked it, and I ended up messaging him about it. I'm like, yeah, we ended up doing a commentary, but we, I didn't, I didn't ask you on because the last time we were gonna do a commentary over Twilight Zone, and the reason we didn't was because you didn't have a copy of it, and he was like. fuck i love highway to hell and they referenced fangoria and like how he followed it for all those Mm -hmm. years waiting for it to come out and uh he had a copy but he would have had to dig it out i guess it was probably like the original dvd Mm -hmm. release. so
3: that's that's kind of how i felt when uh zach and goat did a tmnt uh on his channel without me i'm like what like that's my fucking jams. Like I didn't know you liked it. Like dude, my whole room right now. I'm in a shrine. I knew you liked
2: it, but you said it was like one of your favorite movies. I didn't know that.
3: Oh, dude, I I I could talk at nauseum about that movie. And I was just like, oh, like damn. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My first it, movie in the theater was i uh, I've mentioned this many a times. Is a uh, mm-hmm. you know T- teenage mutant ninja turtles two secret of the ooze. So. Mine was mm-hmm. the first one. That was my first
3: movie. The first one. And yeah, maybe I don't that's... know
1: why I didn't see that in the theater, but
3: that's probably part of my closeness to it too, though, It was my first cinema experience. And, um, yeah. So yeah, very cool. We,
1: I would rent that. My mom would rent the, the first one, like constantly. And, um, Casey Jones was always my favorite. I had, I had all the Hell little yeah. figurines, but I had that one that he had like a green golf bag. It was like, all the weapons were green and stuff. I wish I still had that figurine. Cause I
3: thought it was a pretty
1: good, you know, Oh yeah, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. I just was thinking. My I calendar. buy um,
3: I buy all the NECA quarter scale, the big ones. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. And I've got them all on display over here, and they got the only <laughs> ones they got to release now. We're waiting for Splinter to come out, and then Casey Jones, and then April's now, actually who coming who out, out too. The
1: original no, NECA probably is putting out some really detailed shit. I'd love the Casey Jones one, but who
3: is putting out the like the cheapo
1: like the ones back in the nineties? Playmates, where kids, yeah, Playmates, yeah, Playmates did. Oh, okay.
3: So oh, these they are weren't
1: like bad, they weren't terrible, they were somewhat detailed they, i I had some fucking like mid eighties fucking figurines yeah, no
3: i I had all those too well the the neck stuff they're like sculpted from the movie they're they're like right. they look, yeah, so, but uh, I've got all the turtles, I got the trench coat raft, I've got the shredder, I got the foot soldiers and you know, I think they should release Tatsu too. Why not? Fucking go all out. I'd They're buy Tatsu
2: making too. they're making smaller scale ones that are that detailed too. Pretty cool. They
3: have them. They, most of them have them already. Um, but you can buy the eight inchers or whatever they are. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, those are cool.
2: They're pretty awesome looking. On uh, yeah, on Kingdom of the Spiders, Adrian Mendoza. He's like, I watched Kingdom of the Spiders when I was a kid. Cheesy film. This movie would be a great double feature with the film Empire of the Ants which That's came right. out the same year as Kingdom of the yeah. Spiders. Oh yeah. We, we
1: we I don't I never saw or maybe I have seen it and I just don't remember it, but um did we reference it on that episode?
2: Uh uh I don't think so.
1: Okay. Um uh, yeah, that that would have made it for a good double feature and uh I think that was an afterthought after them. Maybe we'll cover it on another future episode. Uh-huh. I I definitely wanted to cover some more Shatner after we did that episode, though.
0: Oh,
2: yes.
1: It was, like, contagious.
2: Mm-hmm. On the Water Power episode, Ask Hat Podcast says, First off, fuck yeah, X-Boy Cinema's back. Great film for episode 69. I hear there's a lost episode 69 of EC. On it, J-Dog returns and gives his super secret squirrel recipe.
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, oh, good times. Good times. <laughs> yeah, it would be... It would be cool if uh, j Dog actually uh, made a return, but uh, I don't, you know, we were, uh, actually I was talking to Andy, uh, uh, aka Dream Warrior, who used to do the um, Cannon Corner, and he, I I had asked him, I said, yeah, see if you could get j Dog to do a Cannon Corner, you guys, and then I'll put it on the show, but I don't know how that ever went over, so.
2: Mm-hmm. And then on the Halloween special with the Mandy commentary, he... He says, "I need to listen to this again now that I own Mandy. Great to have a new exploit cinema episode. Always great to hear Chooch Junior, aka Bat Thirty Two, plus night to see Biloxi's own Estrebo on an episode. Hell yeah!
1: Yeah, Estrebo is originally from uh, Mississippi. Uh, I actually, so originally, I, me and Aaron were talking about doing the uh, 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 Colorado, oh, uh, yeah." Yeah.
2: and it space.
1: And uh, then, well, uh, uh, Striebel wanted to do it for MVP, but like lately he doesn't want to do any episodes with anybody else other than two man shows. And so mm. you'll never see him on another EC podcast because this is, always seems to be a three man medley unless we cut something. But I don't know whatever happened to that show.
3: What's his yeah. deal there? Is he just prefer the two man format? Does he think it's too many cooks in a kitchen type of thing? Or.
1: Yeah, he thinks it gets too cluttered, and, like, uh he's also has, like, a whole, like, I told him you, what you guys' this thing with the commentaries, and uh, he was just horrified by the sound of it, but, uh, because he's like, you, you should be talking about the film, and I'm thinking to myself, some of this shit, man, is, like, how are you gonna fucking... Like if I if I did a commentary over Munchies, like how the yeah. fuck can I talk <laughs> about Munchies for fucking you know what is that even an hour twenty minute runtime like? Dude. So my opinion do do on it. What you say about this?
3: Well, yeah, my opinion is, if it, okay, you can have a shitty movie where it's like, yeah, what do you say about it? Or what if it's a movie that's beloved? It's already been done in nauseum, right? Talked about so much. Like, what are we really gonna say that people don't already know? It's it's boring. There's enough educational topical commentary slash podcasts out there you know what I mean and, and and I love a lot of them goat's really good at it movie graveyard he stays on top and I think it's really cool when goat comes on our show because he brings some balance to it like he'll keep kind of sucking it back in but we'll kind of pull away it's nice you know Josh James over at R-rated he's topical um I don't know I just feel I think Zach watches shit always before we do stuff I don't man like I don't research I don't I go into a lot of movies blind and I just think it works for us. It's fine. I think if I had to do all that research and really be that studious about it, it would be too much work and I wouldn't have fun doing it anymore.
1: Yeah. That's what happened with, uh, I think J dog and, and EC he got and then, you know, he didn't want to take notes or anything. So I kind of took the brunt of the load, but you know, when you're reviewing three films and you're like doing reviews, I mean, you kind of got to watch the movies and, have something to talk about
3: well and sometimes it it works in our favor sometimes though like if it's a certain type of movie uh if it maybe especially has shock value if zach knows it real well and you're just getting my reactions out of it it tends to work too in that way you know i had never seen pink flamingos before zach and i kind of regret watching it even um but he got to see me watch a singing butthole right for the first time and it's on see Oh, and I,
1: I told you it was a missed opportunity because you should have had me on because I love that fucking movie and we never covered it on ET, <laughs> So I could have really... It could have been like, uh, who was on your boy over there and he didn't he didn't like it either. And I uh, was like, yeah, see, Zach, you should have had me on and then you would have had me on, on your side about it. Yeah, we can then.
2: always do it again on the next boy
1: I could have came... Too, with like the film for pers- you know the film student perspective or whatever and uh and that kind of stuff because like I remember the DVD that I when I bought the DVD they had like for the trailer it was just like a bunch of people walking out of the the original like mm-hmm. premiere like like regular people and they fucking loved it and it oh uh, it was kind of like reactionary stuff to like a deep throat because that was like the era it came out so it was just so outrageous that people. It loosened people up. But it was freaky. Uh, I think your, your reaction to it, Aaron, was that we were horrified by it, which was <laughs> what, what should it have I mean, like, the, the, the sleaziest scene is when that, because it's so fucking over the top, like, of course, the ending. But the, the, I always thought the one scene that really stuck out to me was when the butler goes down to impregnate the fucking hostage down in the crawl space. And he jacks. He like literally. He really jacks off into his hand and sucks it up with a syringe and injects. Like that. Like that's gonna work. <laughs> but it's just so fucking sick. And uh, yeah. So I needed to be on that show so I could be like, hold on, guys. Here's the best scene. Exactly. And Divine and her her fucking redneck son licking all the fucking furniture and, and taking the shit on the floor and stuff like. Exactly. It's hideous. It's hideous. Like it's supposed to be fucking fucked up. Like where they really fuck the chicken to death. <laughs> it yeah. It's so over the top, though. Like you. That's why. in like John Waters is is kind of a genius in that in that aspect because he knew what. Like he knew what he was making. He was making shock, mm-hmm. shock cinema. I mean, he's ca- he's a capable director. Serial uh, Mom is great. Pecker. Is a great film. Uh, I really like Have you guys seen Cecil B. Demented?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, oh man, it, Cecil B. Demented's great. Uh, it's got the dude uh, from Blade that played Frost. Uh, what's his name? Um, child actor. He was, Dorf, Stephen yeah. Dorf. Yeah. yeah, Stephen, Stephen Dorf, Dorf is in it and he plays like uh, this Ed Wood crazy director that's, like... Yeah. He's trying to do, like, action shit, but, like, he, he's, like, using, like, live ammunition. Like, we're gonna do the shootout now, and, like, at this movie theater, and nobody knows what the fuck's going on, and you're, like, yeah. shooting and stuff.
2: It's basically, yeah. like, a fuck Hollywood type of movie where this guy that's, like...
1: Insane.
2: Yeah, small-budget filmmaker kidnaps a Hollywood actress to be in his movie. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think you'd like it, Aaron. Like, it, it he totally... He progresses from that sleaze female trouble and fucking pink flamingos and that era of, of trash.
3: Yeah, he went on to, like, Crybaby and all that stuff. And yeah,
1: Crybaby, working with Johnny Depp. I don't like Crybaby or like, Hairspray that much, but yeah, I mean, graduated. Uh, polyesters, along those lines, it's a little bit better, but it has, like, polyesters, like, the middle ground where, like, He's trying to do um hairspray, it feels like hairspray and uh pink flamingo's rolled into one if they uh-huh. even do that. But,
0: oh yeah.
2: yeah.
1: John Walker's.
2: Yeah, Life Force, Defcon 4 and Invaders from Mars episode. DIY Mississippi fireworks. He says, somehow in 86, I ended up with a DEF CON 4 on Betamax. Would watch it at least once a week for years. Thanks for bringing back this great podcast. I hear instead of being shoe on head, j Dog was shoe in hall. He must have been
1: Shoo-in-haul. up when he put that one on there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's another
2: reference to something you, you never talked about on the show.
1: Oh, Okay. Fuck, the J Dog and the, sh-
2: the 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 drunk girl, yeah.
1: Oh, oh, okay, yeah. That. Oh, I guess he wants to bring that one up on the show now. Uh, yeah, it is like what. So one time, me and Dale called J Dog, and uh, he told us this sleazy story about this chick that uh I don't know his buddy. They were like, oh, uh, they're all hanging out drinking, and I guess his buddy wanted to fuck her or whatever, and it ended up turning into like a uh, gangbang or whatever. And then his buddy like didn't like basically wanted her to go away, so they took her shoes and threw them out like the door. <laughs> to get her to go outside and then they like slammed the door and like locked it on her. That's fucked. Uh that's pretty sleazy. That's that's the sleaze master there. You know, mm-hmm. when he's not locking girls out and throwing their shoes out in the hallway, he's fucking shish kebab and fucking squirrels and shit.
0: Mhm. So
2: the Breaking episode, break-in two, and ninja three. I am waiting on ninja four starring everyone's favorite fat uh, ninja, Corey G. Of course, the film is sponsored by Karate Mart. Shop smart, shop Karate Mart. Hell yes.
1: Is Corey G on that episode? I don't think Corey G's even... Maybe he was a call it's over new that.
2: fucking with us again.
1: <laughs> Corey G did a kung fu episode where I was think I was there part of the episode, some for some I mm-hmm. can't reason oh, yeah. Anyway Corey G was on a few Martial arts
2: Adrian Mendoza says uh, On the, uh, the one we did uh, for Twilight Zone He says what a pleasant surprise A brand new exploited cinema Thanks guys The film Something Wicked This Way Comes Is on YouTube Here's the link I'm definitely going to check it out Twilight Zone the movie never lived up to the show The film is just okay On your recommendation, I watched the Shudder series cursed films and I found John Lettuce somewhat culpable for the deaths of the individuals involved. Landis seemed in the documentary to be callous, immature, and devoid of any remorse. Bat-32 is referring to the Twilight Zone episode, 100 Years Over the Rim, season 2, episode 23. The episode is about settlers uh, heading west during the 1800s. One of the settlers enters a portal and is uh, sent 100 years into the future. Great episode. Uh, I have been watching twilight zone lately and just finished season two. An episode I recommend is called. Well, the real Martian please stand up. The episode reminds me of the film, the thing. Hell yes. I think yeah. that's the one with the, the guy at the end, you find out it was the guy working behind the counter who was the alien.
1: Yeah. That, that's I a, remember right Yeah, I, that was a good, yeah, I pretty sure that's the one that's the one I was thinking of, uh, mm-hmm. That's a great episode, uh, a- Adrian Mendoza. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed the uh, new episode. I don't. We've put out Highway to Hell now since too. So uh, mm-hmm. we we I've been doing some more episodes lately.
2: Yeah, some of these are older because we have. Yeah, yeah.
1: What is it like once a month?
2: Oh yeah, on the the Elsa Keeper, the basically the the Elsa sequels episodes. Blocko69 says, J Dog is the. the He's from Canada. He says, J Dog is the be all and end all. A Canuck with the right to chuck. Denim jeans and king size darts. Lots of love to the underbelly. Hell yeah. I don't speak Canada, yeah. so I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't. I, he might be an old holdover uh, listener or something from back in the day. And, we, you know, a lot of listeners came over and started listening from fear rocks and uh and then when and j-dog left the show and a lot of listeners stopped listening because they wanted to hear j-dog i understand uh that but
2: they missed the delroy greatness and everybody that came after yeah
1: well he was here's a little, little fun little fact apparently he was going to be a regular uh uh host on profondo cinema but i remember that he he did do some episodes with them i don't know how many and maybe i've heard one but maybe he did a couple and uh then that i guess it just didn't materialize Mm -hmm. probably because those guys aren't sleazy enough or is you know yeah
2: they didn't talk about a lot of sleazy movie i remember that yeah Highway to Hell. This is the last one. Block or no bloodless. RVC says funny. Just a week ago, I saw this movie on Tubi and just passed right by it. What a mistake that was! This movie (laughs) is filled with all kinds of '90s nostalgia, and all the cameos from various actors are great. Overall, I really enjoyed it, and don't know how I missed it over the years. Hell yeah!
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what we got at. Uh, Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand how this fell under the radar, other than it was just shitty distribution which a lot of movies suffer from that sadly yeah,
2: i was i was reading the, they didn't know how to market it too that was a big thing they were they didn't know how to market it whenever they what were, you mean
1: you just put the fucking demon cop on there yeah, and yeah. the car and shit that's enough like the fucking hell cop and
3: the car with the they fucking. tend
2: to overthink things hollywood sometimes yeah,
1: yeah.
3: If that's like if on I Tubi, talk- I'll watch that tonight. That sounds right up my alley, and I've I've never seen it. If it's on Tubi, oh, you haven't seen it yet, Aaron? No, uh, I'll check it out. I'll watch it tonight. It sounds right up my alley, especially yeah, '90s nostalgia too. So
2: it was also on a uh, uh, Prime. I don't know if it still is. Whenever we did it, it was it's
3: probably all zoomed in and shitty audio on Prime.
2: And actually, I think uh, on Prime it's the the new Blu-ray cut or like. You know, from the new Blu-ray, it looked really good when I
3: watched I'll it. I'll check it out. I I need a movie to watch anyway. I I have all this like short list in my brain, and then when it comes time to watch something, I I tend to forget like that short list, and I have come across something else randomly. But yeah, I'll, I'll jot that down. I'll watch it tonight. Oh yeah,
2: that's all the comments we got, babe.
1: Ooh, awesome! We ro- we rolled through that, and uh, yeah, I thought we'd done it, and I kept. I remember you said on the last episode we were going to do it, and I'm like. Did, did we cover questions? Fuck, I can't remember. Yeah, um, we kept forgetting. Like yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, well at one point I had to leave early too.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh fuck, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We probably would have done it on the outro, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some like releases you guys are like looking forward to that are coming out? I know we talked about that second site.
2: I'm looking forward to The Little Monsters coming out from fucking, uh, what's it called, Vestron Collection? I already pre-ordered that. Oh, yeah. I always liked that movie. I don't know why. Yeah. I guess it just hit at the right time when I was a kid. And, like, yeah, Vestron Collection is uh, basically they're marking down their, their new Blu-rays. Like, the this new one's going to be, like, 13 bucks, I think. So like yeah they're way more affordable now
1: so it's like a, is it like a pre-order that's going to be on sale or i think the
2: from now on all the releases are probably going to have this new price tag hopefully
1: oh okay so it's just one one like solid maybe they're doing like a subscription thing like because that's what, if if it's like one straight price for all the releases that sounds oh, subscription the, no, i
2: think that it's just going to be like instead of like like they were kind of the same price as like uh screen factory like 27 yeah. bucks new but now they're i think they're gonna be like oh we're gonna drop the price and now hopefully more people will buy it so like now that's gonna be yeah
1: so that's what vinegar and and uh and fucking arrow like their prices are around that range that's why i don't buy too many of those because i'm like mm-hmm. all right i don't know special features but i don't even like now it's been like for me as far as the release is like the movie like i just picked up uh Kubrick's Paths of Glory, the uh, Criterion great movie. Yeah, that's a big thing for me too. Is like, okay, uh, it's Criterion. Okay, well, I'll drop the bread on that because, like, they you know they're fucking DVDs. If you play them on a Blu-ray player, look fucking amazing. Like, I know what I'm mm. getting there. Yeah. So
2: that was a uh, kind of his first like true Stanley Kubrick classic too.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's like first uh signature film i think with um his kind of camera work and i'm going to be honest with you like uh the it you know one of the earliest uh decent trench war type films yeah i'm impressed with what he was able to do with uh-huh. it so.
2: also uh the same people putting out little monsters are putting out shivers the cronenberg blu-ray
1: uh arrow put that out already didn't they
2: um, I think they might have, yeah, but I think they're doing it here. Yeah,
1: it was they put a. I don't know if it was a Blu-ray, maybe it was just the DVD, but I know they did a release uh not too far back. I uh, uh, could have sworn it was Shivers.
2: I think that's wrong. Just put
1: uh, out there. Yeah. I think they did scanners too, as well, didn't they? Mm-hmm. they did a scanners release, uh, Arrow.
2: Yeah, maybe the Arrow one was like region two. Artelon.
1: Okay. Yeah. I know a lot of their stuff is region free mm-hmm. At least that's what they say So,
2: I, got, I was lucky enough and got that uh, House box set That you uh, put out on Blu-ray It wasn't supposed to be region free Because uh, in America a different company owns the rights <laughs> They fucked up and they had to take it off Off the shelves
1: But like you got really... it before, huh? That's probably like mm-hmm. up the value on it, huh? Hell yes now, Aaron, do you buy a lot of this niche shit or what? Like that's not I, what a lot of companies are now as like real niche.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I waste my money on stupid bullshit. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know really what's coming out in detail like uh, that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to per se. I mean, I mentioned that the f- Total Recall is getting a 4K release. I mean, I'm excited to look at that. I hope. I really want them to up the ante. If it looks really gorgeous, I'll be stoked. I'm kind of. I'm kind of excited to see what the They Live. 4k that shout announced is gonna
1: yeah i've seen that so
3: shout i guess they're testing the waters with 4k kind of like uh synapse did right synapse did that with uh uh, suspiria suspiria which i have that and it looks fucking fantastic and i get it there's not a huge fucking market for uh physical in general anymore but even 4k's but man i hope synapse had success because they they admitted they were talking about how it was you know testing the waters We'll see how this goes. Um, I hope they get some kind of allowance to do more of those, man, because I am all about 4K and I'm all about getting stuff in the best quality possible. So I hope they live as a success for Shout because I'd love to see so many movies. I'd love to see the entire Carpenter collection on 4K. And um, I'm one of those people that loves to see stuff. Some people love watching shitty VHS and they want it to be as grainy as possible. Not me. I'm kind of the opposite. I want to see all the warts, the strings, pulling everything. I want to see – I'd love to see 78 Halloween in like just unreal looking 4K HD. I want to see movies like I've never seen them before. And I guess I'm just trying to capture um, that first time experience again to a degree. Because I've had that a couple of times with movies where it feels like I'm watching something new that I've seen Mm -hmm. a million times. Um in some movies it just doesn't work out. I've seen some movies where uh I that Ghostbusters four K, oh, looks that movie oh, yeah. yeah, that movie is best served like on VHS and D V D or whatever because it's just they they tried making it too nice and it just it's it's gross. It's popping all over the place, the colors are fucked up. But um if they can do it, man, I, I want everything to be nice. So uh those are the two that come to mind.
1: Mm-hmm. My whole thing with the H D and like four K is like Because we we got into this with GOAT. We talked about like 8K and stuff like that. And how my theory is that it'll be like... like, I don't think you're going to be able to fit that on a disc uh, Mm -hmm. by then. And it'll be primarily streaming and with uh, the... What is it? The... 5g or whatever that'll make bring that not not to
3: mention and not to mention uh, who really has the monitors and tvs large enough to really get the full benefit of eight fucking k 20 how big you gonna go
1: but but you're chasing it and it's like what's gonna be the next thing like fucking retinal fucking well stick this needle into your eyeball and you'll be able to see it like you're fucking standing there i mean where's the where do you draw the line me personally like Blu-ray looks I mean, it looks amazing, man. Like, I'm you know, I've I come off VHS. Uh my whole thing with like certain key films like Chainsaw Massacre, like I have that four K release and it might be not as good like I think it's a four K transfer, but I think it's just a Blu-ray, so it's not full four K. But like I wasn't impressed with that. And then it's like yeah. that's one of those movies like just leave that motherfucker alone. Give me what's on that thirty-five millimeter print that you guys are been using like that? That I would prefer. Yeah. You know.
2: Once you get to like a movie shot in like sixteen millimeter yeah. or eighteen millimeter, whatever it is, it's like it, you can't clean that up.
3: Yeah. But, tried but to but that's up the That's you know? the problem with Ghostbusters too. The way that movie was shot and how grainy it is. It's just like the nicer it looks, the worse it looks. If that's well,
1: yeah, sense. leave it alone.
3: You know.
2: A lot of time, too, like people think like, oh, the the less grainy it looks, the better. It's like a lot of movies like that are shot on film that that's what you're seeing when you see the grain, you're seeing the film running. So like whenever they get rid of the grain, technically all they're doing is making it blurry so that you can't see it as easy. So, I mean, if you get the crispest image you can, it's going to be grainy. Like,
1: Man, I want the fucking bur- cigarette burns from the fucking editor at the steam back and shit on it. Like, I don't get rid of that, and like they get rid of that. Like, fuck you. I want George Romero. Like Dawn of the Dead had all these cigarette burns all over it and stuff because he's smoking at the steam back, like smoking cheap in the four packs a day that fucking put him in the grave. And I want to <laughs> see that on the fucking film, damn it. Like you keep removing it. Like, yes, I'd like to see Dawn in this 4K print or whatever, but I also yeah. like don't remove certain uh, artifacts that are like on the original print, like dirt aside. Like if there was a burn mark there, you need to leave that burn mark in there.
2: Uh, To me, that adds to the experience too. Yeah. yeah. I was like, like uh, not so much a VHS copy because it's like, Oh, this is an NY screen and shit like that. But whenever it's like a, a 35 millimeter print and they didn't bother like getting rid of all the flaws in it. It's like, it adds to it to me.
3: With with more modern movies, though, too, I think it's also just down to how the transfer was done, because there are situations where sometimes they knock it out of the park with the Blu-ray and the 4K just really isn't that much better. Um, And a lot of times I'm looking at Blu-rays where whenever they come out with the 4K, they actually do the transfer right. And it looks so much fucking better. But I have... uh, it's one of the oldest Blu-rays, man. You know that Alien box set on Blu-ray? Oh,
1: yeah. I had that dude, when it came out, oh,
3: man. It those, good. Dude, Alien and Aliens. and I mean, they all look great. But, dude, those fucking movies. 1979, 1986. Dude, Alien fucking
1: they look like, It looks like it was made yesterday. It doesn't is it? gorgeous. And For I have this just looks great, too, as well. That yeah, tetra- dude, that,
3: that looked amazing. But the Alien box set, that's an example where they fucking just... They did it right. And I have the 40th anniversary Alien 4K and um i guess i'd have to watch them side by side but when i watched the 4k of alien on my you know oled tv right you know so i'm even my my technology's upgraded too i, I played didn't... it
1: on the plasma dude on my plasma and we had a whole thing on the last episode about how basically that the plasma is what you have there so like that quality um the plasma became oled yeah. technology yeah. right yeah we got in a whole discussion well well, go educated us because i didn't know that yeah
2: but. if i ever decided to go 4k i'm definitely asking go with, like the best TV <laughs> to meet again right yeah
3: but what's funny though is like when i watched yeah the 4k of, of alien looks amazing but without watching them side by side i really I'm didn't get there. yeah yeah because i i wasn't wowed like i was when i watched the fucking blu-ray for the first time so i bet you the jump isn't it's not, it's very superficial. It's nothing that I can really point out uh, immediately or anything like that. So yeah, I mean, and there's, there's blu-rays, man. I mean, I I know I brought it. I can't believe I'm bringing up the mortal Kombat movie twice in this, this, this fucking podcast, but the mortal Kombat blu-ray fucking basic bitch, $7 blu-ray, the transfer on that, why would this have a good transfer? This is the kind of movie you would think wouldn't have any kind of effort in a transfer and it would look like a VHS, but it looks so fucking good. And if they ever put that movie on 4K, I don't know how they could do much better.
1: So it, it might and it might also be the like what kind of film they use yeah. and stuff to why they might not have had to do anything and yeah, it was like a lot everything of, was good.
2: A lot of low budget movies we like fucking shot the film originally on already expired film so that they could get it cheaper. Yeah. So how are you gonna clean that up as much? Yeah.
1: Like yeah, <laughs> he used like ends and shit from other films that were shot that he could buy. Well, damn- I, I
3: could be disappointed. So when I get uh total recall it might look just as good as that mind-bending edition Blu-ray they put out. And it'll be like, oh, well, this really wasn't worth 25 more bucks or whatever. Or or but, or but sometimes I'm surprised, man. I keep chasing that, like, pleasant surprise. I keep chasing, um, God, what was I watching that was fucking under? I mean, have you guys seen, I've talked about it on our show before, and I know he did a lot of weird work to it, but that T2, that James Cameron 4K he put out. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't
1: seen that 4K. So it makes I haven't sense. even seen the Blu-ray yet.
3: Of, uh, okay, the Blu. It makes sense why that 4K looks like they really went the mile on it. Because they also put it for theatrical release. Remember, they re-released it and did a 3D release. And so that's what we got on the the 4K. And it's just, to me, it looks like a totally different movie in, a, in, in not a bad way. Because if I'm going to triple dip on a movie, give me a different experience. I can always go back to another version. If I want to watch on VHS, well, I guess I'll do that. But... Like the colors on that 4K fucking pop, um, it's just it's just a different experience. Now I say he did some different stuff to it because he took advantage and he like CGI deep faked Arnold's faces over all the the double shots that were obvious and you know which that takes out of it. And he uh they 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 airbrushed Robert Patrick's cock out of the movie, little shit like that. So it's like okay, but that aside. I guess I have the old versions if I want to see that fucking shitty double on the slow motion jumping off the you bridge. Want in the nice cock. <laughs> I want to see his cock <laughs> trip and but, uh, but the movie looks fucking nuts man. And um, Movies like T2, movies like The Abyss, The Abyss needs it. We're made for 4K man. They were made to just have legs because those can just look so fucking good but yeah, I don't know. I imagine if they ever put TMNT 90 on 4K it would look like ass. Because because TMT ninety <laughs> kind of has that Ghostbusters feel. It's like grimy. It's kind of gr- You know, I just don't think that would translate.
1: i telling you, definitely Terminator
3: One is kind same of green yeah. to it. Yeah. Same too. Uh, and Terminator, uh, even the Blu-ray, they had uh, multiple releases. The first release of Terminator, which I have all of them. The first one looks like fucking dick. It's like what a waste of money that was. Then they ended up repressing it. They're a new. uh, yeah, a new version of it, and it and it looks really, really, really good. But I think that's about as good as a movie like that can get. 4K is not going to do it any justice. So unless you want to see when it's in HD, you could see Arnold's dick clearly swinging. Like there's no shadow hiding it, right? Like they intended with the way they shot it.
1: <laughs> they brightened it probably or whatever, or used the
3: natural lighting to enhance it. I don't know what it is, but it's just like I don't. I have a feeling when they were filming that. Back in the day, they they weren't thinking that in forty years technology is going to be to a point where uh, our clever use of shadow is not going to hide this monster cock because it does. not <laughs> It's so funny. Like, I, there's someone should put a video online of like a side by side going at the same time of VHS dick, uh, DVD dick, all the way up to like Blu-ray dick, and it's like, oh god, like this wasn't intended at all. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So, what uh, other releases are you guys looking for? I see that I'm on this restaurant and I see that they're
3: putting out uh, Maximum Overdrive. Uh, That's a shit movie. I, I, I've i never liked Maximum Overdrive. What? I can't get into it, man. I can't. What? I've tried. I tried. I tried. Even
1: King's directorial debut and final movie. First and final. <laughs> <laughs> ACDC gives their
3: it. song rights and full backing to that movie? Emil
1: mm-hmm. Ami- Estevez, one of his—it's one of his finest moments in cinema history. I mean, mm-hmm. I love—I
3: love, I love Emilio think, Estevez, that? man. But yeah,
1: are you on board with this film or what, Zach? Come on, you've oh, covered yes. some movies. This is great. Is this great?
2: It is great. It's the what's it's your, amazing what's shit. Fucking, uh, it's got to be whenever the fucking. What's it called? The fucking money machine tells him to go fucking fuck himself or whatever it tells him.
1: <laughs> old Stephen King to, him and his wife. Oh yeah. yeah. My favorite <laughs> scene is the fucking coach that gets fucking hit with the, all the, the sodas coming out and then the steamroller comes in and runs that kid over. The first time I saw that
2: movie was on uh, Monster Vision. It was a great way to see it for the first time.
3: That's the version's accent. Oh, you though. saw it,
0: it on, it it on Monster like Vision? <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Zach burned me this really he he burned me all these discs, these Blu-ray discs with like uh, this compilation of Monster Vision that people have ripped online. It's awesome to have. And the first movie I tried rewatching was Maximum Overdrive on this Monster Vision rip. And uh, it was like fucking 15, 10 frames a second. (laughs) So it's like really choppy. I'm like, I can't watch this. This doesn't help me enjoy the movie more. So maybe I'll give it another shot one of these days and see if I like it. But I got to watch a normal version.
1: It has some fun moments. Uh, interesting fact is that the cinematographer... Well, King was, like, fucking doing a lot of coke. Probably because, mm. like, here's the shooting schedule and he's never done anything like this. And he's like,
3: hmm... And he still probably put out ten books that year, too. Fucking dude. Yeah, he,
1: he looked in, like, his drug box and was like, which drug in here will help me shoot this film quickly? And he picked cocaine. And because he picked cocaine... He was not getting a lot of sleep, and uh, obviously he was probably doing rewrites because he's a writer, like on the script. I'm sure he's doing shit like that. So during that lawn mowing, like where the lawn mowers like running wild on that yard, apparently like they had the camera like propped up on these wood block, and I guess some signal. It's not really. It's like a freak accident, but he probably should have been like, okay, this lawn mower doesn't need a live blade, but. You know, or for select theme where we needed to cut up the grass, but obviously it's running around like lawn that you've already cut. It doesn't need the blade on there for those, and so he was using a live blade on there, and uh I guess it received because it was like a remote-controlled uh, setup or whatever with the lawnmower, and it uh clipped one of these like the corner or whatever of the camera stand and chopped the block up, and uh, the cinematographer was like blinded in one eye. He got like pieces of the wood and they yeah. sued Stephen King and sh- he sued him and stuff. Cause like you're like a cinematographer, like you, like, you need your fucking eyes and he like, mm-hmm. he blinded him in one eye. I wasn't like, like again, that's just like a Landis type similar situation. I think that's why King never wanted to direct again, but. See,
2: that's the type of thing. Like you think they would have like, Oh, this is a first time director and we're basically giving it to him. He He's never went to school for directing or anything. So we're right. basically giving it to him just cause. He's he, in the name.
1: On, um, he's he was on the set of Carrie, which he got kicked off because uh, who did that one? De, De Palma. De Palma, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he kept like talking to him about how, because if you've ever read Carrie, it's like keeps cutting back to like these court sequences where like all the survivors of the mm-hmm. fire, and everything are like telling their what happened and stuff. And I'm guessing he probably wanted that intact and, like De Palme was like out of here, motherfucker, and kicked him. I guess uh, P.J. Souls on an interview said that uh, he had to be kicked off the set because they kept getting in an argument. So yeah, you can't have that, been that, that, film, that on film sets before, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, if you I, don't I, if you don't like other people changing up your work, you should stop lysing it all out. I mean, he like sells the rights for every fucking thing.
1: Uh-huh. Well, that's his first film, you know, film set yeah. he was on. Then he worked on Creep Show and he was actually in the segment and um, I know he wrote the script for Cre- or was involved with Creep Show too and I think he was on set because they filmed some of that in Maine and I believe he was on set and then he also worked on Night Riders so I guess I I figured you know he, he probably had a little bit of experience watching Romero work mm-hmm. um, I think he did a good job and everyone that was involved but. Yeah, I don't think that it was like something, you know, that he was built to do as far as stress level. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was like, uh, like, from what I heard is like, there was a lot of cocaine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that he was using to try to fucking hold it all together, because I'm thinking this was like a 30 day shoot or something like that. And like, yeah. think about how many fucking setups that movie has, like, uh, mm-hmm. every day and like, all the explosions, and you've never done an action movie, and this is pretty much an action movie, essentially.
2: See, fucking, you mix Stephen King with cocaine, like, when he's (laughs) writing a book, he starts writing about a giant turtle and shit, do it while he's making a movie, he fucking gives you a movie, yeah, he gives you a movie where a fucking machine tells him to fucking fuck off, or whatever it says.
1: (laughs) There was was all kinds of great moments, and uh, I always loved that movie. From my childhood, I, I believe I rented it, but then and now that you say it was on Monster Vision, I probably saw it on there too. Mm-hmm. So, but I always said, man, I'd love for him to do another. Why won't he do another movie? But then, yeah, a couple of years ago, I read that story about the cinematographer, and I was like, yeah, I, I can see why he's afraid to direct. I mean, you fucking maimed somebody and got sued, so yeah, you Which think somebody will would...
2: yeah. <laughs> You think somebody would jump on that? Like now that he's kind of a big name again and they're licensing stuff out like, Oh yeah, you could just be like, you could just be like in print. You're the director, but we'll have another guy come and we'll do like one of those situations.
1: You know, he's worth $500 million. I had no fucking idea. She's uh he's, he's from licensing all these films and, and there's so much stuff. He still hasn't like, I, I named off like, uh, Rage hasn't been adapted. Uh, Mm -hmm. road work hasn't been adapted. Long walk hasn't been adapted. Um, isn't it
3: weird? Isn't it weird that, uh, someone like JK Rowling though has one property under her belt, but she's worth over a billion.
1: That's because of the merchandising. And here's the thing too about, uh, Stephen King never wanted to get into like all the they wanted to do like action figures and toys and like it would have been a gold mine and he he like refused cuz i guess he uh, i guess he thought it was going to like i don't know cheapen his work which it, i don't know i mean he's just so out there already that like the movies are already doing that you might as well jump on the fucking toy bandwagon like Lucas did mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you know cuz that's how Lucas made his fucking fortune and he's like one of the uh, America's one one well one of the wealthiest men in America, so you know,
3: and he can't still afford to have that fucking gobbler chin surgically removed. I mean, he walks around with that oh, thing. Yeah. It's weird.
1: Yeah, he's had some weight loss problems, stuff like you know, probably from health issues and everything. I think him and his wife, I think they own like a print company because I think he does some smaller stuff, and then like his wife writes. I want to say that they might run some little printing press on the side now, um, you know, so he can, can, that's smart too, like if you could print your own books and like, because you already got the name like he he should have been doing that fucking 20 years ago, like fuck these print companies, like I'm Stephen King, motherfucker Mm
4: -hmm. like I
1: can sell this book and I, I like, just call up the bookstore and say hey, I'm Steve. I've just decided to print my book, will you, you know, buy these books, they'll fucking,
3: they'll eat them up you know yeah, cut out the middleman and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you think he could? He's at that place. I mean,
1: he got the money. I mean, I didn't know he was worth five hundred million. Like, I'm like, okay, you could have like, you could like buy one of these print companies, like one of the established ones. So, mm-hmm. but Ki- but King, yeah, I mean, like, fuck, I wish like, uh, I wish some more of this Bachman stuff was a uh, was adapted. Like, or um, they were talking about doing a Running Man remake. I I didn't bring it up during the segment, but I don't know why it's it won't greenlight.
3: But that's cool. Just cast Colin Farrell in it; it'll go okay.
1: You, it'll is that how you think would be a good? Uh, who do no, you think? I'm would
3: just be making fun good. of Total Recall, the Total Recall remake.
1: Oh, okay. That yeah, I saw that. I wasn't very good <laughs> for sure.
3: No, what I don't do know.
1: You think would be good in that role, Jason Statham.
3: <laughs> it just depends. Are they trying to remake the movie or make a closer adaptation to the book? Because I mean. It just depends. I mean, they built a movie around casting Arnold is what they did. So it just depends on who they cast. If they're trying to redo the Arnold thing, uh, I mean, that'd be funny, dude. They should, like, throw a curveball and make a remake with an old-ass actor like Stallone. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, we're going to put 70-year-old Stallone to replace Arnold movie. I don't know. They'd probably do Jason Momoa, something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that.
3: They should remake the
2: Langoliers and make it a critters oh. uh infused movie and get the Chiodo brothers to do the,
3: the critters and As just make long it. as they cast Bronson Pinchot again. Give that man some <laughs> I, I could watch that guy rip paper slowly and roll his eyes in the back of his head all day.
2: See, that's another thing. Like they there's plenty of things that they've only done like really shitty straight to T V like adaptations of they like uh not even mention like, you know, the stuff they never adapted.
1: Yeah, the, and there, well, there's some stuff they, like, uh, what is it, um, the one collection I really like is, uh, Graveyard Shift, and, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, Stephen, or not, um, uh, George Romero's show, he mm-hmm. had adapted some of those short stories, uh, to the TV, Tales from the Dark Side TV show, so mm-hmm. a lot of that, a lot of that short story stuff has been adapted, and then there were some other movies that came out that, uh, were based off, uh, what was that collection half past midnight i don't know if you guys are familiar with that yeah collection. it's an old it's from the 90s or maybe late 80s and i think there was like novellas in there or whatever but like even uh some of the stuff that never gets brought up is like have you guys seen app pupil i mean that's yeah. a stephen king adaption
2: i really like dolores claiborne
1: did you yeah yeah i remember that always playing on like tbs and shit
3: like I've never seen, seen, seen Dolores Claiborne, never seen what? it actually. I've yeah. never seen Dolores Claiborne. Um, it's on the list.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be on the list. It's not one of the better Stephen King. Like I'll tell you, I like Dreamcatcher. That's one uh, a lot of people, uh, and
3: that's real Yeah, cool. uh, I was like in between on that.
1: You you didn't like it? Is it because the alien Yeah, I don't
3: know. Yeah, it was just a little. It 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 came out of that weird era, like movies like Phantoms, where the aliens look so CGI and fucking shitty and hokey, and like man, they're just they're just not pulling off what the imagination put on a page.
1: Did did you like the mist? That was around the same time. I love
3: the mist. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm giving that one a pass because that looks shitty too. But that one seems more of a homage to like old sci-fi. Edward bullshit. It. it
1: was on point with the with the novella, which was in the uh I think it's called Different Seasons with App Pupil and that and actually the um Stand By Me stories in that that collection too as well. So yeah. just imagine like all those those are kind of like a weird mix. Like you got this yeah, like supernatural almost HP Lovecraft type reality merging with the mist, and then you've got this fucking Nazi hiding in America and then
3: Coming of the age of the body.
1: Uh, yeah, kids finding a body in the what is it, the sixties or the fifties or whatever.
3: Uh, yeah. I can't remember
1: there's another book in there. There's another novella
3: in there or whatever. Which but. one was um which one was Shawshank in?
1: Oh yeah, that's in there too. Okay, so that's the other story in there is Shawshank.
3: So those And it's got a longer books. title. I don't remember what it's called, but I thought uh, Shawshank
2: was its own book.
3: No, it was a short oh, story. That's
1: a novella too. I'm pretty sure that's in that different seasons collection because I had it and I read all of them.
3: Yeah, diff- Yeah, it was in different seasons. I used to. Yeah. My dad used to have it. Yeah, no, it's just a novella. It's it, they're short stories. Um,
1: well, they're long. They're, they're not a short story, but they're shorter than a novel. So there's they're in between a short story and a novel, which is I mean like they're if like, if like a hundred. What, a hundred
3: what are they like a hundred pages?
1: Hundred page. Well, they can be like because uh, I was looking at the page. I always thought. Um, Running Man and uh, all those Bachman books were uh, novellas, and then they were saying there were 300 pages, but they were considering them novellas. I thought anything over 150 pages was a
5: novel.
3: So, what do you consider Hellbound Heart, which is like I think that clocks in at like 100 pages, like Clyde Barker? Is that that's a novella, right? Well,
5: yeah,
1: I would say that's a nov. Anything, anything like over shit, anything over like 20, 30 pages would be like a novella, maybe or something. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I used to write a lot of short stories and stuff and and novellas and stuff like that. So, I think the key with a novella is like anything 100 pages or more. 150 mm-hmm. pages. I think that's what of Mice and Men is. Is 150, 160, yeah. maybe
3: more. It's interesting. I mean, you could almost you could almost have a podcast centered around um it in itself and the differences they made from like king adaptations to the books and stuff. Cause that's pretty interesting too. like all the different choices yeah, they made.
1: Has done that like some hardcore diehards. Oh, really? I
3: well, I mean, even just the obvious stuff, like the Shawshank, right. And uh, the Shawshank, the lead character, he actually did kill his wife, right. He like cut yeah. or whatever. It was,
1: it was pretty close though to the, to the, the film adaption was really, they were very close. Like, I think he was happy with that adaption. Oh, that I, mean, they,
3: oh I mean, I don't know. Doesn't it change your 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 opinion of the character when he was innocent? In the movie, you know?
1: I I don't, I think it's like, I think it's more maybe the, it's been, I don't don't know, I was a teenager when I read the, the I think in the mist
3: too, I think, uh, I think him killing himself and his, or his family was a Frank Darabont thing. That didn't happen in the book. Yeah, no,
1: that was added. They just, um, I remember the end, they like seen some flying monster and they just kept driving or something. Yeah. That tragedy, tragedy ending was definitely tacked on. They just kept driving and was hoping that the mist would eventually end. But I remember uh-huh. they saw some flying beast in the sky, and um, it tried to tie it into uh, King's Dark Tower series. I guess just like yeah. realities filling into another.
3: So uh-huh. well, that that's kind of cool. I, I think I saw an interview with Darabont, and he was saying that uh, you know he has a good relationship with Frank Darabont. He tends to like Frank Darabont's adaptations. Yeah, and uh, he said he was on set and. I think he told him, he's like, man, that's fucking brilliant. Why did I think about that ending for my book? Fuck. You know, so he well, really liked
1: it. So he liked that ending, yeah. And and um, The Mist did really well, if I remember correctly, box office-wise.
3: Um, there's no way that had a high budget, so it probably turned a profit. Yeah. You know, however, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, But yeah, I remember that like having kind of resurgence, and um, that film is why uh, Darabont was brought on to Walking Dead, and that girl with the kind of the the funny eye, she's she was on the Walking Dead,
3: wasn't she? Yeah, the the yeah, she was in that movie.
1: She's a good actress, I think she has. Well,
3: uh, Dale was also in the mist too. The guy that played Dale in the first season or two, of Walking Dead, too. The old man with like the oh oh, yeah, that's right, he was uh, one of the people in the. That's I and uh, uh, yeah. Melissa McBride, Carol's in there too.
1: Yeah, I need to go back and cuz I remember when The Mist came out, I got I went and rented it as soon as it came out on video. I yeah. didn't see it at the theater, but so,
3: Melissa McBride Carol was in in The Mist and she's like still on The Walking Dead. Like she's like one of the only people that have I guess never left that show. So yeah, there's when you watch The Mist, there's a who's who of Walking Dead people on there so you can tell he just said, "All right, everybody, come on board to this show." I just got, you know, pitched he was probably fresh off that set or something, right? I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Derivant, yeah, like he did, He, I, I don't know if Derivant did Dreamcatcher or not, but um, it seems like especially in the '90s, like the really shitty adaptions. Like somebody told me, maybe it was Newt told me that he didn't like the Langoliers, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that he wrote the script for Langoliers and was like involved in the production. And it's always these shitty. Like he liked The Shining. Because he was like on set for that piece of shit too, as well, and like wrote the script for that fucking TV movie, and he always seems to like the the sh- the really shitty like adaptation. What? Yeah.
2: What if his opinion about it is just how the director treats him while they're making it? He's it's about
1: like... the director treating him and whether or not they followed the book to the teeth.
3: But the but he, I don't know. Maybe he's just like uh, maybe that's just his ego as a writer and the creator, but. I mean, what is what works in the book format necessarily isn't going to work for a screen, and The Shining proves that. I mean, because I've seen that Stephen Weber TV series, right? The uh, Mick Garris, right? Didn't he do that one mm-hmm. too? Um, Frank Darabont, he did. He just did The Miss Shawshank, and he did Green Mile. I think that's the only three okay. he did. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I agree with you too. And I have to imagine the movies that Stephen King was in, he he, they had his full endorsement. Like he was in movies like Thinner, right, and, and, uh, Pet, yep. cemetery and uh,
1: Pet cemetery,
3: and, yeah, so, I don't know, Thinner, Thinner's just like a, that's an, I'm sure, I've never read the book, I, I imagine Thinner's probably a short story, too, or, sorry, a novella, that's, that's a that's Bachman
1: kind of, book, that's a,
3: that's oh, is that a Bachman book? book,
1: but it's not, it was actually a novel, yep, uh, it was a Bachman book, but I don't, I think, I feel like that was a, he wrote it as Bachman, and then, like, later on was like, Uh, Because I think it says Stephen King on it, but like he was like, I'm just gonna put Bachman on it because I wrote this as Richard Bachman, or it was in that mindset. Probably, I feel like Richard Bachman is him when he's drunk, (laughs) yeah, like on some substance or whatever. Because he, uh, if you read his book um, on writing, which is kind of a memoir slash autobiography, he really gets into his like uh, drinking and like these drug use habits and stuff, like on writing is supposed to be like a writing tool for young writers, but it also like has very revealing things. But, uh, he says that he doesn't even remember writing misery and he was like wasted. And I'm like, fuck dude, I tried like reading drunk I- and you could write a novel drunk. That's talent. <laughs> fucking Hemingway, like incarnated in this guy. <laughs> so, and it's just what makes you wonder like how many of these stories he wrote under like the influence and like, Okay, um, I wrote this one because I was like, he wrote a uh, actually a western called Slade that never was never published, and I bet it was like he wrote it on LSD or something. Mm-hmm. Actually, the fans are jonesing for this. He wrote it when he was in college or whatever, so mm-hmm. they're dying for it. But that's mm-hmm. awesome. We get this turned into a Stephen King like talk, like because uh, you know, yeah, he I mean he did write the original book, so.
2: I always I, thought that the original, uh, Bath Cemetery was uh, underrated. I think that might be his best, like, it's a great adaptation. Horror,
3: That's a uh, adaptation, yeah. It's I wonder
1: a, the, what he said about it. That's one book I haven't read.
3: Really? So That's one of the few I have read. It's really, the is book it, is, real...
1: is it spot on? Like, I heard there's like, uh, he, he, like, has a dream and stuff because my dad read it and he told me, like, uh, I guess, uh, the, the, man, uh, the dad there, he's, like, had a dream after his kid was, like, uh, killed. And he's, like, looking for his son and, like, finding, like, the shoe and, like, all this. Yeah, so kind of, there's there. little
3: things that they had to cut, obviously, just to make it work in a movie format. Yeah. You know, like, but it's it's pretty, like, uh, Judd has a wife in the book. Okay. Um, she's,
2: she's the one that dies, not, like, their housekeeper.
3: Yeah, so they just kind of, I don't know why they replaced the character in a movie with a housekeeper. I don't know. Probably because they needed Judd to be more of a stronghold character. Right. Because I guess if his wife died, he probably wouldn't have been it. He would have been in shambles. He probably would have been strong enough to be like, try and slap fucking Lewis Creed. I don't know. Who knows why I did it. But uh-huh. yeah, he had a wife instead of that housekeeper. Um, there's a couple little Stephen King esque. scenes. Ending,
2: like I remember the ending was fucking terrible. Like there's, a, there's like a running joke that his endings always suck. Stephen King. And I guess he even like in the new it, uh he like basically the fucking the, the main character in it chapter 2 it's supposed to be Stephen King there's a scene where Stephen King is like playing a cameo and the he he's like oh hey i like your books the ending always sucks though so it's, it's like a <laughs> is that callback.
1: misery though was that in that misery
2: that that was in the new it chapter 2
1: oh okay yeah. i haven't seen that okay yeah it's not very good uh- Remember, Dark Half has like the little like writing like crossover thing because that uh I don't know if you guys I've never read the book but I've seen the movie the George Romero film. I'm like, yeah, okay. I
3: wasn't a fan of the movie. I didn't think it was very good. Yeah. Timothy Hutton. Yeah,
1: yeah, the movie's not great, but like that whole like crossover where like that's uh that's him like killing off Bachman, I guess. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's stuff. a that's a
2: cool idea. Like, yeah, another alter ego that you write as and like. Oh, in this book, he's, uh, you know, he's materializing and you gotta really kill him.
1: I'm wondering if that double is like, that's what, who he really envisions Bachman as. Cause if like, you look at these stories, like rage and shit, it seems like that dude would have written all these Bachman like thinner too, is like real, it's a weird one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's definitely weird. Like this fucking, like who gets into the gypsy shit with the curse and yeah. Yeah. Castle Rock that's set in too. Same thing with the uh, Needful Things. That's where he has that fictional main town that doesn't exist.
2: Mm-hmm. I yeah. watched the first season of Castle Rock.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I I have it. Um, it was kind of hard to get into. What did yeah. What did you think of it overall? Is it good? Does it get? I only watched three episodes.
2: I don't remember much about it now, so it must not have left an impression. <laughs> but I guess season two has a uh, what's her name from Misery. That character shows Kathy, up. Kathy Bates. It's a different person playing her, but I think it's supposed to be the same character or something. Really? I think so. Uh, interesting.
3: That sounds vaguely familiar. I, I've never seen the show, but I remember like marketing materials, and I think the um that connection. I remember reading about it or some actress talking about her playing that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, is there any like releases or anything like you guys want to fucking chew chew the fat about or anything like you guys are. I don't know. Are you guys working on anything? Like, what are you doing, Aaron? Are you doing you any of the, like other creative projects or. So.
3: I- I'm just going to call it real world events because when you say the real terms, it, it, it flags <laughs> on like YouTubes and shit. Like they don't want to even you hear in words like that, but real world events, obviously it really put the kibosh on a lot of shit, unfortunately. Uh, and we had a project, me and uh, my my good friend and director, Randall, that we've been working on forever. Um, we had the ball rolling on some financing finally. And of course, real world events happened, right, out of China. <laughs> and uh, obviously people pulled their money back and it just kind of got a, the, the stopper put on it. And it's one of those things where we're just going to have to start over, like whenever this kind of comes back to, if there is a market for anything, if anybody is going to be in the market to uh, finance uh, a semi small movie, you know what i mean? So i hate the feeling of everything being up in the air and not knowing what's happening. It's kind of depressing. So, but i mean i'm still doing my same thing. I'm i'm taking i've been taking the whole time off in pandemic to uh perfect this particular script even more. It's like, well i thought i was done with it, but whatever. And i've been working on another one too. Uh but yeah, it's like whether or not we can actually do anything with these, who fucking knows. Like i think uh we had an idea um and I don't really know if it's happening yet, but nobody I don't want to bank on people wanting to finance anything. What the what the economy's gonna look like once the, the the actual pandemic is over. I don't um, know, I'm hearing like stuff like Hollywood's fucking dead.
4: Yeah, well
3: so well that, it, I, that's a good thing though, man. I fucking yeah. I've been saying well, yeah, Hollywood the independent guys, yeah. So Hollywood has needed an enema for a long time. I think we should hit the reset button. Fuck awards fuck uh fuck elitism it's like the
1: 1960s with like fucking dennis hopper and corman and all these fucking guys it's basically like if you watch that raging bulls uh it came out i can't remember who put this documentary out but it was about the counterculture shift Uh because hollywood was producing like these fucking uh redundant musicals and western musicals and basically everything turned into a musical And then, like, uh, you know, some, like, the new wave French directors uh, came in the picture, and people wanted to go see foreign films, and it basically killed what Hollywood was was cooking, and, you know, Scorsese and all these guys. And took
3: over yeah so i'm a i try to stay optimistic and i'm like that I've, you're exactly yeah. on the wavelength i am too renaissance. i think it's going to be a renaissance yeah i'm hoping that this is all going to some bad is going to burst some good and we're on the verge of a new renaissance now granted i've been thinking we were on the verge of a renaissance the last five six seven years now who knows maybe it just took that long and this pandemic is what's going to break the back but it's going to force people to get creative. And our idea was, and I'm trying, I almost got to sell him, man. I mean, I don't know if, I don't. Zach, have you ever talked to Randall or no? You, know, you just heard him on a podcast. But I'm trying mm. to sell him on it because we can't, like, let's just go guerrilla style. Like, maybe these scripts that we've been working on, we can't do these right now. But I've been trying to write a new one that we could do on his property. So he benefits from having a lot of fucking property, a lot of land, like a lot of uh, resources to make a really good movie, cheap and look good. Right. So I'm trying to write a movie, a story right now that we can do around what we have to work with. um, Because we're going to have to start getting creative. We're going to have to start pulling into our own pockets um, and just sort of put other shit on hold until we, we, you know, maybe there's some money out there, but I just think it's going to cause people to be more creative and think outside of the box. And that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, I want to be positive about it. So.
1: Well, here's here's a Sleaze Fiend uh, recommendation for your production of key things that the film needs to contain for it to become successful Water by, the, by Sleaze Fiend and Exploited Cinema Standards. First of all, I understand you want to probably try to get like an R rating, maybe get this into the theaters, maybe get the young, the younger generation to be able to get in there and see it. You want everybody to be able to see it, but you need to put some bare breasts in there somewhere. They have to be in there, but they have to be relevant to the plot, or people will just say they're gratuitous, <laughs> and that's I not
2: artful. Fucking being puts the there. meat curtains in there, bro. I
1: think you I, need to make a movie about like a walker or something like raw like that, you know. And then I it, think you know the nudity works, and then you don't need a big budget, you know.
3: You got to have oh. something else to offer, yeah. If you don't have like the explosions and shit, I know. So, but like, I think we'd be doing good. If we could actually have people smoking on camera again, because that's like a no no now, right? Nobody. So you want to do cigarettes. like
1: a, a a period piece then?
3: You know what I mean? No, I just mean we, people filmmakers can't even have people fucking smoking in their movies anymore.
1: It's just really is that a is that a rule?
3: Yeah, if they do,
1: well, you gotta wow. let them. Was uh, once upon ho- once upon a time in Hollywood? Okay, gonna, uh, so yeah, maybe
3: hopefully. there's exceptions. he gets to break any rule he wants. Yeah, yeah. There's certain exceptions there, like Tarantino's going to break the rules, but no, like yeah. Watch closely, man. People just don't smoke on camera anymore. It's just deemed socially irresponsible. Um, there's a
2: rule where if you have characters smoking, at least one other character in the movie has to point out that those will kill you.
1: Yeah, I read a review that I read a review that said that. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, they noticed that a lot of people were smoking, and it's like, yeah, that's what they fucking did back then. They smoked, and they were like fucking cheap. You get them for like a dime a pack, and people smoke four or five of them a day.
3: Quentin Tarantino sort of a last bastion of where – he he came from a renaissance. He started another renaissance in the 90s, which was like 20 years after the Scorseses and all that shit, right? So he was another renaissance, and then everybody and their mom was trying to copy and write a, 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 a Quentin Tarantino way. But he had bo- to
1: kind of play their game, like not where like, where like Dennis Hopper and all those guys kind of like Coppola and stuff. They kind of got to like rewrite the rules, whereas Tarantino kind of got fucked there for a minute he should have but, been uh directing in 89
3: but we're but we're overdue though we're tw- 26 years since like what he launched or whatever i think we're i think we're coming up on another one it's time for another resurgence uh for some film which it's just going to take one filmmaker to start a movement and make certain things okay again and i don't know man it's just i i have no interest like who the writings on the wall when you look at the cinemas and the theaters and it's just nothing but blockbusters all, it's nothing but Marvel movies taken up in star Wars movies. Disney. Well, I'll
1: tell you what I've been seeing in my area is like, cause there's not much been coming out of uh, my local theaters. I said this on the last episode, have been like reshowing like throwback stuff. So like me and my girlfriend, we went and saw uh, Jaws and we went and oh. saw nightmare on Elm street. So they were running back to the future. And I, I hope this opens up the doors for, like, maybe the uh, exploitation and stuff, like, at least the old stuff to get shown again. Because, like, a lot of it's public domain. Like, even Driller Killer is fucking public domain. I'm like, why is Driller Killer not playing right now? Why is Night mm-hmm. of the Living Dead not playing everywhere right now?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But when I, when I look back at, at my, some of my favorite movies, man, they were just, they were done with heart and passion and not with a, a, a budget, you know? Evil Dead is very inspiring, right? The whole story of Sam Raimi and, and him's friends and the way they did that. I mean, just like that. Why can't we just get back to that? Some I know we're spoiled. We have all this technology at our disposal. We got all this digital shit. Anybody can, I mean, not we, the the average Joe can go out and buy everything short of a red camera, you know, uh, with what they have in their bank account probably and make something in the backyard of their friends. So I don't know if that hinders us, our creativity, but.
1: It did. Yeah. Well, it cheapens the. That's that's like what a lot of filmmakers have been saying. I think Tarantino's been getting at it. A lot of these guys that want to shoot on film say it like cheapens, um, you know, the art form and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of people might say that it's a different uh, paintbrush, I guess, if you want to look mm-hmm. at it in that perspective. Uh. I've always looked at it like that. But now um, you can shoot with digital cheaply for, uh, you know, and make it look like film or, or it looks pretty, pretty good.
3: But even big Hollywood's doing it too, because there's yeah. a reason why all the, we were talking about the recent Bill and Ted movie, but there's a reason why movies like that, or even big budget movies like these Marvel movies, they have progressively gotten shittier looking because they still save Oh, so money. you
1: agree that that new Bill and Ted movie is a pile of shit? We
3: we we're kind of on the level that it's like a six out of ten it's whatever my pr- i i
1: uh i didn't i i didn't get to finish it all but uh i didn't like that uh i didn't like that the uh they kind of tried to like rewrite it and like because for the newer generation so they kind of like wrote the uh phone booth out of it because i was really like hoping that the phone booth was going to be and I'm like, well, fuck these youngins. This isn't this isn't your movie. And they were like, oh, we're going to change it, but do a nod. And then when uh, George Carlin steps out of it, and he's like a hologram, he says, in 1989, he didn't travel there in 89. He traveled there in 88, and they say it in the film that it's eight, 1988. So they fucked up there, man continuity oh, did I, I didn't it
3: even a, catch that but yeah
1: that's a fuck up yeah that's a fucking big one and like how i know that it's 88 is because they say in the film like because i, wa- I want to rewatch the first two and refresh my memory i'm like oh they'll probably have all kinds of references to the first two and i don't know what i saw looked kind of boring. yeah it,
2: i think it does say 88 but the movie came out in 89 they probably just fucked up yeah
3: yeah but if you notice how that movie looks, it's something that the Marvel movies do, too. The Marvel movies have no yeah. excuse. Bill and Ted had a budget. But Marvel, when they first came out, I mean, they were I, I, the first Thor movie looked like a blockbuster. It was fine. The first Iron Man, th- they were still shot on set. But now the bigger budgets these movies are getting and the faster they're churning them out, they just look shittier. And it's because even them, even Disney is penny pinching because it's like, hey, why? I know we could just go to New Zealand and film this on set. We, we could save so much money by not having to to have a faster budget, you know, faster scheduling by just doing everything in front of a green screen. We can we could film this scene that should be shot in uh, New Zealand the same day we shoot uh, this fucking stupid scene with uh, Thor hanging upside down in hell talking to fucking Bub or what? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a flick of a switch. I mean, when well, you watch it, the
1: movies, they're forgettable, too. man. like fucking 20 years from now, nobody's going to be referencing. These are all going to be like, but it's a problem with shit.
3: When Thor Ragnarok came out, and I'm guilty of thinking it was funny and enjoyable, but like it was bittersweet because I watched it, and I was having a chuckle, and Jeff Goldblum and all these little things in there that were kind of fun. The movie, it's like there's a scene where he goes to seek out uh, Anthony Hopkins' character who is kind of like uh, sent like on Earth. It it literally looks like New Zealand. like They're on a cliff somewhere, and there's an ocean side, but it's green screen. But it's CGI'd? It's green screen. (laughs) It's like, guys, what the fuck? It's it it looks so fake. And um so you can't really tell a difference between when they're on Asgard and that fake ass background and like in New Zealand. And uh See,
2: I am proud to say I've never sp- went to the theater and watched a Marvel movie. Me this neither. Shit is happening without Amen. any endorsement from me. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, but, but I'll it's like the movie I would have went and seen was that Punisher movie. I wish like I it wasn't playing near me and like when I saw it I was like, "Where have you been all my life? This is exactly what I always envisioned." The Punisher Mm -hmm. being live action, so.
3: But yeah, I mean, Goat mentioned it when we recorded a podcast not a while back. But like Black Panther, I mean, that movie did so much money and it just all it did was secure that these movies are going to keep raining because it broke more records and everybody loved it. And of course, they were going after a demographic that, you know, whatever it, it, it's it's got its legs, dude. There's no reason for the third act of that movie. There's a final bout between, you know, the antagonist and the protagonist. It looks like ass. I'm like, what? the yeah. Fuck.
1: I think that movie just did well for what it and like by all means like there he's one of the first black superheroes and like it was time it was it should it should have been done a while ago and everything and I understand why it was successful and everything but
3: But if a movie costs 300 million dollars there's no excuse for certain things like for for corner cutting and it's just it's just a shame it really is and um I I just think, yeah, back in the day of the Sam Raimi's and the Evil Dead, man, they had less to tempt them, right? They didn't have even digital around to tempt them. They had to get crafty. They had to strap on their fucking shoulder cannons, run around the woods. I mean, even down to like how they got the movie made where they sort of made the fake trailer to the movie they hadn't even done yet and sold it off a trailer, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It was super cool, man, and it, it was charming, and I just... Somebody needs to shake it up again and just make something well, with a heart. Well,
1: Aaron, do you know that's why over here at Exploited Cinema, that's how we watch old trashy movies because Hollywood's not giving us our fix, man. I, I don't think... yeah.
3: And I don't think Blockbuster has to be a taboo, dirty word. Blo- there's a there's a place for Blockbuster movies. But along the way, in the last 20 years, they lost it. They missed the mark. We need
1: to keep the Michael Bays out of this shit. Though. Yeah. That's dude, a problem. Yeah.
3: So when I think Blockbuster... When you think T2, it's like, that's what a blockbuster should do. It should really push the envelope with visual effects.
1: Yeah, It should be well-written and like a good director needs to be like Ron, like a Ron. You know what? I, that solo, I don't like any of these new Star Wars movies, but I saw that solo movie. I didn't know who directed it. I gave it a chance and I was like, yeah, this is, I was all right. That wasn't too bad. And I saw the credits and it was Ron Howard. And I was like, oh, that there you go. That's why. Cause you know, he's a de- decent director knows what
3: he's doing. When you when you watch something like T2, I mean, so uh, if you're going to be a blockbuster man, I, sometimes I'm in the mood for that. I want to be impressed by what you're doing. I want to see you run that semi off a bridge in real time, and I want to see you pull those stunts off. Like, blow my fucking mind. Um, and now, when we have those movies, but now they're fucking Fast and Furious movies where everything's CGI'd and fake, I'm like, you're not earning this blockbuster title. This is so cheap and so fucking stupid. And I get why they... I get why they choose technology because of like safety reasons and liabilities. I mean, I think they're probably going to always choose to not like risk the life of a stunt guy. But
1: yeah, but didn't on the first uh, Fast and the Furious where they did that shit underneath that semi truck? That was was real.
3: But that was the late nineties. That was that was late nineties. Fast and Furious (laughs) is still kicking, unfortunately. And it's now they're going to space in the new movie. They're going to fucking space, bro. Yeah, so they're gonna be able
1: to like do some stunts on like around the space station and shit. Like
3: so fucking. So yeah, you know, you know how they go to space? Some guy yeah. in the editing room hits the space button and it changes the background. Now we're in oh, space. Mm-hmm. You know, that stupid
1: Yeah, that's why space. I didn't like that Ready Player One movie. It was like the first part was cool, and I was like, Ooh, the stacks, this is this dystopic yeah. future where they all fucking play video game, and then like I thought like, oh Steven Spielberg, and then we just go into the fucking CGI video game and it didn't seem to like have any like it, I fell asleep. It didn't seem to have anything like I was like waiting for the message like wake up children of, uh, you know, the world. We need to turn off our devices and go back outside because look what it's going to turn into. It's going to become a trailer park stacked to the fucking sky yeah. and you're just going to be a zombie playing in like. But there wasn't anything like that. I was like, look at this cool world that's coming. Yeah.
3: Like, but it was i say what
1: like, it's <laughs> almost like a demo for what the future of vr is gonna be mm. and what but life's oh, gonna take yeah.
3: you know but i'll be damned if mac didn't give it five stars on letterboxd <laughs> <It's> amazing <laughs> <I> always... <laughs> he, gave, he gave ready player one five no stars. i always give mac shit because it's like and i actually i'm not really yeah. giving him shit because i i don't want to be this elite. he actually did he did give. He five did, stars. he shit. did i bet but, he like, did right no so yeah. i don't I am of the mind that like Mac's an easy to please audience goer. If he gives, if you can look at the rankings, like how often people give stuff 10, you know, full, you know, you can look at how they rank movies. Mac has an overwhelming amount of perfect movies. Like most of them are.
1: Um, it was like watching a fucking game. He was like watching the story mode part of a video game. Yeah, it was. But I'm
3: not, no- I'm not knocking people that like that or even Mac because like who am I to say, I mean, if somebody easily gets enjoyment out of a lot of stuff, I'm not going to shit on that. That's kind of cool. Whatever. I kind of wish I could live in that world sometimes. But uh, I do think it's funny sometimes because, like, Alita Battle Angel, 10 stars. Uh, fucking this, 10 stars. You know, whatever. He's a blockbuster guy. I'm not going to shit on I just think it's funny sometimes when I, I just make comments sometimes. It's funny. <laughs> like, I, can, I watch a movie sometimes and I'm like, yeah, that was a Mac movie. <laughs> you can take that <laughs> however you want. You take that however you want.
1: You're like, guaranteed that's a five star. Uh, Mac, like, uh, he reminds me of this dude. Uh, one time I was hanging out watching Water World, and when like all the guys with the jet skis came like bursting out, this dude was he was cool, he brought like a joint over, and uh, he was like, as soon as the guys came bursting out from under the water, he was like, he looked at us with a serious face, he's like, those dudes ain't fucking around, are they? So, yeah, yeah, Mac <laughs> sounds like a, he, he, that guy would give that one a five star.
3: You
1: know? I can't blame yeah. him either.
3: That's funny, man. Guys, I got, I really got a piss, so, I mean, it, can we either take a break or uh, just, I got to fucking, I've been holding it so Wait, bad. What? Pee in a cup. I yeah, that's I like so I, I don't come prepared to no, the party like you. So, I don't come prepared. We
1: will, we will, we'll roll it out. Aaron, Aaron go ahead and roll it out since you got to piss. Tell them why we got to roll it out so early. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: hi, everybody. My name's Aaron. It actually isn't
2: I, early. This is yeah, exactly that's it. what
3: I'm saying, like. So apparently we have to roll it out early, even though we've been recording almost four hours. I got a piss so fucking <laughs> bad. Uh, no, and Zach, Zach was just like, "If it's edited out, bring a cup, rookie." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm not used to recording for almost four hours, so or otherwise I would start bringing cups like Zach does because he's always fucking just taking loads off in cups." But um, <laughs> no, man, I have to say, if we're wrapping it up, that uh, I haven't been on your show in a uh, years, as we established. Yeah, I think it's awesome that. Uh, you guys are back. I know when um, you came back as like that one-off, I I was pleasantly surprised to see that you guys keep popping up. I mean, I think you guys have done like, what, six episodes since that comeback or something like that? And I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool for people like you, for people like us, for people like GOAT to still be going. It's kind of like that first wave of OG fucking basement dwelling podcast um, uh, sticking around or coming back or whatever and um, sort of taking it back. Taking it back from all the comedians that have built-in audiences that have taken podcasting over uh as much as i like that too and i think it's also really cool to be able to see the people coming over to like our youtube channel and commenting and and how much they like you guys and clearly these are people that missed your show so i think it's i think it's fucking rad man and i'm real happy to be uh to have been on this show so
1: well thanks for uh hosting the show and uh, the old episodes and the new episodes and also um coming on because i've been wanting to get you on or uh your other what is it called the deep deep end or oh the, yeah the deep
3: end. we want to have like i know a we talked of-
1: about getting on there yeah yeah mm-hmm.
3: ah, man i'm surprised i'm amazed that we're able to put out the consistent content that we do i mean like we're just i try to make room for stuff deep ends one of those things that just fucking goes by the wayside and just we make time for it whenever we do it but uh if that's a nice segue into just, like, our pitch, do you want me to just, like, promote what we got going on?
1: Yeah, sure, whatever, and you can take us out. I know you want get, to uh, get to the old bathroom. So. Oh, dude, and
3: we'll see if it takes me 10 minutes to get it out at this point. I'm, like, a fucking oh, old guy. Oh, yeah, dude, so, I don't want to be fucking
1: with that shit either. So, uh,
3: basically, if anybody's listening to this show that's hasn't listened to our, even if you're, like, on the Revival House, maybe I'm not just going to be narcissistic and assume you listen to all of our stuff, but... uh <laughs> Exploited Cinema, BTM, at least in its original incarnation, go way, way back, uh, all the way like a decade or whatever. Back in the River Man, back in the lush days, back in the J-Dog days of this show. And um, yeah, it's it's really cool. If you guys like that stuff, Zach's been putting up all the archived EC stuff uh, on the weekly, as you guys know, which is great, or bi-weekly rather. But we got a whole bunch of other stuff on there. You can He's been doing the same thing with the BTM show. Uh I don't remember what day it is they go up, maybe like Tuesdays or something. He's been posting an archival old school fucking BTM episode. Oh, uh,
1: did cinema crossovers
3: or Yeah, yes, so all that yeah. stuff's like dicks are touching, worlds are colliding. You get to see <laughs> yeah. it all like play out week after week, all these retro shit coming out that were otherwise lost. And I think Zach's about done now. Like aren't you with the classic BTM? Almost, yeah. Yeah, and then they're all gonna be on YouTube for the most part. And then EC's still got a while. Uh, so you guys will have that still. But Zach and I, we do our normal BTM commentaries now. Um by the way, those old episodes, they're cool. Most of you guys are smart and you realize and you see that they're older episodes and they're just there to sort of enjoy and see how the show's evolved because it has. Uh some a lot of you, most of you guys, I'd say, jumped on whenever Zach joined on. Like in the last few three, four years, we really kind of grew and evolved into something different. Uh, and you hear us talking about all these characters, like the Corey G's and the Lushes. they've almost become infamous. And so you can go back and listen to all these fucking horror stories and all these episodes with those people on it and just kind of see how, uh, we cut our teeth warts and all we had fucking bad episodes. We had fucking, uh, technical mishaps, yeah. all the rookie shit. It's, it's really fun. And, uh, so but well, we have the new BTM commentaries every Wednesday, We're doing uh, the Cinema Enema. It's more of a topical discussion podcast. Um, We're doing those once a month right now. It'd be cool if we can uh, bump that up. But right now, once a month is doing it for us. We had a recent episode where we did a roundtable discussion, Hellraiser 1 versus Hellraiser 2, and kind of how... Uh, where your opinion lies on Hellraiser 2 does it hurt or hinder Goat was
1: on that right? Yeah we had Goat and we yeah. had
3: Josh James we, and then myself and Zach and so uh, I've always enjoyed topics like that you know and, and, and divisive movies like mainly talking I don't think anybody's saying Hellraiser one's a bad movie but Hellraiser 2 is divisive so that was fun so that's kind of a, a good idea what that show offers and uh, Mac and Zach uh, I, they're every Monday and you can talk about any episodes might come in coming out uh, Zach but uh and then, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we got a gaming podcast on there now that uh, one of our boys, uh, William launched. So there's That's something popular, for- isn't it? Well, I, I think it's a very congested market. I don't really okay. think uh, it's popular, but like, man, I, I think gaming and stuff, I think it really hit its stride like five years ago. But, but it's, it, it it's like anything else, man. You don't do this shit to make money. You don't do this shit to be famous or get like a million followers. Uh, William's doing it because he loves it. I mean, he, i I told him as like, dude, you got a lot of competition, man, but like, let's just do it. You got to build an audience. You got to put in the work and just, you know, build a personality and build a, just see what happens. So, uh, Anyway, uh, we got a lot of shit, basically, and and if you guys the
1: swearing down, so like, because like, uh, my girlfriend's kid here, he like watches all these Minecraft fucking, these ones are like professional podcasters, I'm pretty sure they make money off of it, so you can get all Mm -hmm. those younger viewers, I think if you cut the cussing down, or not have it at all.
3: Well, you know what's funny is, uh, I think Zach and I would actually turn over some money if we just quit the language and cussing, because almost everything gets demonetized, but... Uh <laughs> I I I look at what the numbers we've pulled and like our channel having like three million views and shit. I'm like, man, we'd actually have some money. We do make a little bit of money, but when you consider that one percent is like monetized, that money would be a lot more. <laughs> like, damn. Mm. But it's not even swear words, man. Like we're starting to figure out algor- the way the algorithms work and the way the bots work, but like we don't say the P E D O word anymore. We say, what do we say, Zach? Play doh. Play doh. When you call oh, someone okay. PDOP, you say, no, he was into Play-Doh. You got to dance around certain <laughs> words. Don't say C-O-R-O-N-A virus because you want to say like quote unquote world world events. Because it's why? Flagged. Why is
1: that one? Because I think I said it earlier. Why? Why is that one a key? Is it Don't
3: really? ask me why. But and then that, that's one all the YouTubers and everybody knows about. Nobody's like saying it. They're just getting flagged for it. But probably because like, uh,
1: pretending that it's not. It doesn't exist.
3: Or because, it's probably just auto detecting what they think could be propaganda type videos. They don't know if this is coming from like a far right w- w- uh, website or a far left or whatever. Same thing. I'm sure if we mentioned, you can bleep it out if you want. That's going to probably demonetize us if we don't. Bleep yeah, it out. bleep
1: it out so they fucking wonder what we said
3: on here. Because and we're we really do funny. that too. It's so funny. Sometimes sometimes we'll have whole sentences we have to bleep out, and it's and it makes it more funny when you listen to it again. Uh, but that's just like the sad fucking world we live in, man. And it just it's it's real disappointing. But anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah, this YouTube's just not a place for for bleep beans to unite. Probably
3: like, <laughs>
1: all all these podcasts monetize.
3: But it's all right, I mean, but the thing is is uh it's not disappointing because we accept it. We don't give a shit. I mean it's like it's too much work to dance around and not be yourselves. I mean, we just accept that we just none of our videos get monetized, and when one does, it's just like a bonus like, oh, how did that one slipped through, or maybe Zach didn't make those jokes or something on that episode i don't know but if, if it happens it's naturally that way so uh um, we should
1: start a podcast called nice guy podcast and nice we guy just podcast. Be on our Will best, we just compliment be on our best behavior yeah yeah,
3: like yeah everything a nice
1: is pc we don't call midgets midget i yeah a strebo got on me about saying midget uh on the <laughs> episode i think that's why it's taken a while because he had to edit all my PC stuff, and because I, I referenced the guy, the little person in uh, hardware, and because uh, we were talking, you know, it's Richard Stanley, and uh, I was talking about how two scenes the from his new film that we were reviewing and hardware were similar, and I said the, and he was like, I don't remember what scene. I was like the scene with the midget, and he was like, I don't think that's PC, and I was like, I'm well, oh, I mean shit i i feel bad now you made me yeah. feel
3: bad and i and i was kidding and i was kidding about zach editing shit this is exploited cinema i mean you don't edit shit on this show and these aren't going to get <laughs> monetized. trust me they don't get monetized they are instantly pff, the exploited. but that's just the way it works man and um i don't know it's, you it's, could it's, edit it's... the
1: whole show and it could just say welcome to exploited cinema this is episode 73 and yeah
3: i mean you'll probably football. get banned on thumbnails yeah it's just it's just whatever <laughs> it's not worth it at the end of the day um but uh, yeah, man, it's funny, but it is what it is.
1: You guys aren't going to do like a series of, of stuff for the Halloween season? I thought you might be had a shit ton of stuff planned.
3: So we usually do an October blitz where we go fucking hardcore and we, we have extra content. I mean, we at the very least, we'll be thematic. And um. I don't know. I don't know. I'm in the middle of a big fucking move. I don't know what's going on. I, I'll be freed up. I wouldn't mind blitzing it again. We just got a, somebody gave us a suggestion, of body horror, you know, shit like the fly or whatever, just gross out shit. And it's something we rarely haven't done yet. So that can be the theme. And I, uh, I'd be down. I always like to try and see if we can at least do a couple extra for the month. So we have like, uh, you know, we could double down a little bit and I would like if we can make room to do a cinema enema as well. And I think having that uh, Halloween one and two discussion will be cool. Maybe that would be relevant for that. I don't know, but yeah, we try to knock mm-hmm. it out and. we've, we've adjusted our attitudes towards it since a couple years back when Zach and I nearly fucking ripped each other's throats out. It was like the famous year with all the listeners because we were so burnt out. Like literally we were doing so much for October. We couldn't fucking stand even being on a microphone anymore. And I remember it was when we said we were going to do every single Halloween movie. And, uh, and I think we'd also done like a cinema anima style. We'd done alien three, like producers cut. So, and then I remember – I don't remember what it was. We had watched one too many back-to-back shitty movies. We had watched fucking Rob Zombie Halloween 2. We had watched Halloween 6. 6 both hey, I versions.
1: like Halloween uh, Halloween 2. Okay, Halloween. so you're
3: on the other side of the fence there. But we had watched <laughs> yeah. fucking – We had watched both versions of Halloween Curse of Michael Myers. And then I don't remember what it was. We were watching Halloween 5, and it just broke the camel's back. I'm like, fuck if we just were ripping each other's throat. Because we couldn't take it. We were watching too much shit, too much trash. And it was so – it was – we felt so forced, and we were just at each other's throats, man. And I don't know, did we, uh, do we have that episode up, or is that gone, Zach? Yeah, or the what's up? Yeah, yeah, the aborted Halloween Five episode, and we put it up later as part of the Vault. We, we,
1: oh, wait, I remember that, but didn't it come down, or I don't did know. You, oh, okay, maybe. Dude, I remember you guys put up some commentary where you were at that com- convention uh, with Riverman, and I like didn't get to listen to all of it, and I wanted to come back to it, and it was gone, and I was like really huh. yeah was it still up or did you take it down we need a look
3: man because i just learned a few months ago that our TMNT 90 commentary was blocked worldwide and got removed and i didn't even know somebody was asking us hey what happened to it uh youtube's fucked up what can i say but no uh, yeah, i know
1: you guys were worried about the movie playing in the background and hearing
3: the noise and stuff yeah. from the movie and you could yeah. hear a bunch of it but yeah we'll see but um anyway that Halloween 5 is really funny we ended up uh we ended up sitting on it and then we just hype it up and talk about it and then we we pull it out of the Disney vault like a year later and uh and then it has some interest and yeah it's just this episode that turned into a total train wreck and I blow up I turn into a total fucking John Landis diva bitch I fucking scream at everybody and I fucking throw down everything and walk off set like what's his face on Fox News do it again and it's and, totally... then you,
1: and then you came back to direct spies like us. And, yeah.
3: Uh, and fucking <laughs> no, it's things. so funny. The the commentary just ended, and they didn't realize I really left. <laughs> and I, and the, <laughs> the rest of the
2: movie were just like, "Is he coming back? Is he, is this a joke?"
3: <laughs> but I I wasn't. It's one of those things where I at the time when it we scrapped it, and I was talking about it on the show, and I'm like, I'm I'm ashamed. I'm like, you know, it's embarrassing because it wasn't a pretty hour. And then, uh, but after a year, it's like you learn, like, okay, it's funny now. You know, we've talked about it for a year, and it's and it's like, okay, I can't listen to it. I would never listen to it back. But uh, anyway, we had a couple of those episodes, and you can tell what the dark ages for this show were. Just go to like that particular year and look through our <laughs> videos. <laughs> but they were good listening. Like people loved it, but for us, we were miserable. But it made for good podcasting for sure. <laughs>
1: so. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll have, I'm, I'm going to try to do something for Halloween and, uh, you know, so, probably a commentary or something. So we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, last year, uh, the idea that I wanted to go with and, uh, uh Streebo ended up recording that episode, the Mandy one. I originally wanted to pick combat shock. Have you guys seen that?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. I it's just,
1: that. it's, it's sleazy, but it's horrific. I, I, you know, I thought it fit, uh, EC, uh mm-hmm. real well for Halloween, and like it's you know just so sleazy and everything the you know what it's lacking is that uh Joe Spinell didn't show up you know mm-hmm. would have been perfect, but
2: that would be a good one for Halloween, yeah,
1: so maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a commentary over combat shock or something. Aaron, have you seen it any comments on that film before we uh we shove off here?
3: No, I have not
1: oh jeez <laughs> i what do you Zach, what do you think his reaction would be to Combat Shock if he came on the commentary and blindly watched it? He'd be
2: like, what the fuck?
1: What's would it fuck? be like Pink Flamingos? Will we have a Pink Flamingo incident
3: here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's beauty in that. Did, has, have you seen
1: Deadbeat at Dawn? Or uh, Street Trash?
3: I, I know of them. I've not watched them.
1: Okay, If you haven't seen those, then this might not be your <laughs>
3: <laughs> But I'm all Pink about it, man. I,
1: have you seen Life Is Hot in Cracktown? That's uh, Buddy Givinazzo who directed this. Have you seen that film? That's that's a bigger bigger budget came out. I don't know, maybe. 10. I haven't.
2: I haven't seen that.
1: That's pretty good. Uh, this girl, man, I gotta think about what the whole plot was about. I'm not gonna run it, but Life Is Hot in Cracktown is a Buddy Giovanazzo film, more modern. Sounds amazing. Yeah. uh, this. It's, there's a rape in it. This girl gets raped. I can't remember what it all happens and fuck I can't remember everyone that's in it but it's definitely like if you like combat shock it's got that like edge but like he's got money like he's got a budget this time around like he's not not trying to come up with the money you know uh, selling plasma or whatever Mm -hmm. he did to get combat shock out but real quick a plot Aaron of combat shock if like I don't know if you ever run across it is the guy returns from uh, Vietnam and he's got you know shell shock p you know p ptsd and he can't like get no work or whatever and he's been like taking handouts from the gangs and the gangs want him to like pay up and uh basically like they're gonna they're gonna try to kill him or whatever mm-hmm. so
2: and he's got a son that's like a, a crazy oh, yeah. agent orange baby
1: agent orange baby that cries all the time <laughs> and, and they got lumpy milk in the fridge that's like they mm-hmm. can, yeah I love the milk drinking scene. Isn't that great? When he just loses it oh, yeah. again and drinks the chunky milk.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, it might not be your caliber, Aaron. I don't know.
3: I mean, I'm open to anything once. <laughs> I mean, not <laughs> anything. Don't run I with think
1: that. Flamingo's. It's, pretty, it's good if you like that gang. It's got a, a little bit of a, a, a shit like the... uh um ow. I, I want to say it's it's most like in that range of Deadbeat at Dawn. Like it's got this grungy or like street trash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, recommended. I don't know if they put it out on Blu-ray or whatever. I know Troma has been releasing stuff. If there is a Blu-ray, I wanna. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that might be the next episode. We might. I might change my mind though if I see something trashier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. With that, um, you guys have been listening to Exploited Cinema, and uh, I don't know. Keep keep an eye out on Revival House. At, what is it? Every week you put out an old, an old episode, retro episode.
3: Every two weeks. Every two weeks, there's a new EC episode, and but there's content from all. There's content every single week, multiple times a week. But yeah, new, EC comes out every other week.
1: Awesome. So check out check out the show on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on fucking every itunes where wherever you can get a podcast that's there right
3: yep google play stitcher all the usual suspects
1: awesome